on air for the Martinsville NASCAR Race Review, along with our Hot Topic Sound Off that will start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Now, joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Segala. I'll go ahead and give you a review of uh, our agenda for tonight. And we're going to start with a few updates from the Arkham Menard series, the East and the West. Uh, two of those series have finished out their seasons. The Arca West still has a season finale coming up this weekend at Phoenix Raceway, along with NASCAR's top three series that will all be racing at Phoenix this weekend uh, for their season finales as well. So we've got a lot to talk about because we're then going to review the NASCAR Truck Series race at Martinsville. We know who the championship for that will be uh, racing for the championship at Phoenix are now, and we'll talk about that. Next, we'll do the same thing for the Xfinity Series and then the Cup Series at Martinsville. Uh, again, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we will start our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew, and so that uh, will be, uh, I'm sure, a lot to talk about uh, during that hour as well. So <clears throat> uh, Sal's not here yet, so we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully he'll be here soon. Uh, I'll get into the Arkham and Art series. Uh, just to kind of review, first of all, uh, the Arca East has uh, their uh, champion already determined with uh, Sam Mayer. Uh, he won back-to-back championships uh, from last year to this season. He's had phenomenal year uh, in six races. He had five wins, uh, six top fives, and six top tens. So his average start was uh, 2.5. His average finish was 1.2. I think that pretty much says it all for Sam Mayer. Uh, Ty Gibbs was the runner-up. Nick Sanchez, Parker Retzklaff, and Mason Diaz round out the top five there in the Arkham Menard Series East. Going to the Arkham Menard Series West. I'm sorry, let's go to the Arkham Menard Series because that was a big battle as well. Uh, you had two veteran drivers in that series uh, racing for a championship, and it came down to the last race to determine who was going to be the champion. And uh, <clears throat> we're talking about uh, both uh, Michael Self, who led the series for a good part of the season, uh, and Brett Holmes. Uh, he's been racing in the Arkham Menard Series for several years now. Uh I think this was his third season, third or fourth season, and he came home as the champion in the Arkham Menard Series this year, 12 points over Michael Self. Haley Deegan was the Rookie of the Year. Drew Dollar finished in fourth, and Ty Gibbs finished in fifth. Uh, and Ty Gibbs did not race the entire season. He ran 16 of the 20 races in that series and still was able to come home with a fifth-place finish. Uh, so Brett Holmes was the winner uh, there in the Arkham Menard series, uh, main series. Next up, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about uh, the Arkham Menard series uh, west, and uh, that's in uh, Sal's wheelhouse here. Uh, they are going to be racing their season finale this weekend at 
Phoenix Raceway, and joining me now is our co-host, Sal Sagala. Uh, welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, hi, Sharon. Thank you. Yeah, I was just talking about the Arkham and Art Series West and their season finale that's coming up this week. <laughs> yeah, out here in Phoenix, it's, uh, gosh, so far they got like 27 entries. Yeah, it's going to be, I know, and it's a one-mile racetrack. <laughs> so yeah, you know, they, but, but, <clears throat> but for this race, they always get, they always get a lot of, uh, you know, they always get you know, a lot of t- teams from back east who want to come out and race. I think David Gillen is bringing three or four cars. Venturini is bringing three. Um, GMS is bringing three. And um, I think Bill McAnally added an extra one. And uh, I think that's basically the way the car count is uh, spread out. David himself is racing this Saturday, this Saturday yeah. too. Yeah, David Gilliland is on that entry list. Uh, oh, and, and Joe Gibbs racing. Ty Gibbs, yeah, Ty Ty Gibbs is going to be racing. Uh, You've got uh, Todd Gilliland is also going to be racing this weekend with his dad, so that's pretty cool. Um, You've got some local drivers that are going to be on that uh, entry list. Of course, uh, Gio Scalzi, who who just won uh, at the doubleheader weekend, uh, that included uh, both All-American Speedway and Kern County Raceway, uh, Gio Scalzi and Taylor Gray, both winners uh, in their most recent races. Uh, they'll be uh, contending this weekend. Uh, Jesse Love is uh, looking to go after a championship. Sam Mayer, the East champion, is also on that uh, uh, entry list, Sal. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that too. So it's going to be a good um, a good race. I mean, Blaine Blaine Perkins has to hope he almost has to hope to win the race, and the Jesse just has falters because it's going to be a hard race to win with all the talent coming from the East. Yes, indeed, it's going to come down to you know who has the best finish uh, with all of the drivers. But this is also what a great learning opportunity for these drivers too, Sal, to have drivers like David Gilliland and uh, Todd Gilliland, a previous champion, uh, coming back and, and racing this event. Um, this is such a great opportunity for all of these drivers to be in this event, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see how it turns out. Yeah, it should be, it should be a good one. Phoenix is always a good uh, Phoenix is always a good race, you know. Then you know to close out the season. Well, the West, they, even even before this was the final race of the season, you know, for all the you know the touring series, this was always the the last race for the for the for the West series. You know, it was always they used to start at Phoenix and end at Phoenix, and then when they had mm-hmm. the schedule changes, you know, they kind of took Phoenix out of the mix. You know, then now they added Phoenix back into it. Mhm. And as you mentioned, you, not only do you have the West uh, teams that are racing here, you've got a lot of East teams that are coming in. Uh, when you talk about yeah. Hillenburg, oh, yeah. they've got Cody Erickson in the number ten, Chris Hacker in the number twelve. Uh, real quick, I'm seeing if there's any other Hillenburgs. Um, Kevin Sawinski, Wintron Racing, they're going to have Howie D. Savino III uh, racing the, the number 
32 car. You've got Mark Rett bringing a car from Justin Lofton. Uh, so that's pretty cool to see. Uh, you've also got also, the Venturini cars. Yeah, that's what I said, the Venturini. you got the GMS. And then you got Chad mm-hmm. Bryant who's also bringing a drive, driver out too. Yeah, sending that's a driver right. out. That's right. You've got uh, three Venturini cars that I see real quick. You've got uh, Keith Rocco is going to ride drive their uh, 25 car. Chris, no, I'm sorry, wrong team. Corey Heim is going to be in the 20 car for Venturini. And Drew Dollar, uh, it will be in that number 15 car for uh, Venturini Motorsports. So, yeah, this is going to be amazing. And you mentioned Chad Bryant. You've got Chris Wright in the 22 car. He's got a couple cars. Uh, Where's the other car I saw for Chad Bryant? I I'm, guess I'm, I'm wrong. I thought I saw two cars for Chad Bryant. There's only one. But uh, it's really cool. Todd Souza uh, had a, a great year this year, so I'm sure he's looking forward to this race. Um, it, it's going to be a fun race with all of these cars up there on this one-mile track. You think there'll be a little oh, yeah. bumping and banging? <laughs> oh, yeah, there'll be some bumping and banging. There usually always is. I mean, I... I should I go back to a, a couple incidences with um, with uh, Gray Galding and, and um, Oh yeah. Custer. You know, mm-hmm. then we can also go back to uh, Noah Gregson and uh, Chris Eggleston on the on the mm-hmm. last lap. You know, when um, Noah, mm-hmm. Noah tried to he tried to dump Chris for the championship, ended up putting himself in the wall instead. And Chris went on to win the yeah. championship. Championship that year. Yep. Uh, and you mentioned that uh, uh, Bill McAnally is bringing a fifth car, the 12W. Alex Sedgwick yeah. will be driving that car this weekend. So, or Alex Sedgwick yeah. uh, will be driving that car. So that's going to be, gosh, I, this is going to be such a fun race to watch. Okay. Okay, Sal, are you going to be there by any chance? I know sometimes you go out to Phoenix no. for these races. No, no, we're not a, we're not. Um, I talked to Chris Wright last week, and uh, he said usually you know like when they tri- like when they go to Orindale and All America Speedway, the the smaller you know sh- when they go to short tracks, I could send Chris an email and get in. But this one's going to be a, it's going to be all NASCAR. So he said the only way to get in, he goes, you're probably going to have to. You know, centering. They're not NASCAR's not letting no. They're not letting no media Nobody this in. event either. Yeah, so I mean, that's true. Because of the fact that because the fact that the Xfinity is racing right after them. But if, if it had been a separate event, like they did in Vegas, you know, where they race at the bull ring, and then you know the rest of the the rest of the racing went on at the big track. You know, he goes, yeah, something like that. Then you know, I, you you know, then I can let you in. He goes, but. He goes for this event. He goes, you know, uh, Phoenix isn't allowing any, any, uh, anybody in. Okay. Well, let's go over the points right now. We mentioned that uh, Jesse Love is in the lead in the Arkham and Art Series West, uh, but he is um, uh, followed by Blaine Perkins. This is this is kind of a classic uh, challenge every year between Bob Brunkati and Sunrise Ford with Bill McAnally Racing. You've got Jesse Love with Bill McAnally Racing. 
uh, in first place, Gracie Trotter with Bill McAnally in third, Gio Salzi with Bill McAnally in fourth. But in second place and in fifth place are the Sunrise Ford drivers in Blaine Perkins and Trevor Huddleston. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a like you said, it's another you know classic you know Sunrise Ford uh, DMR uh, battle. It's going to be interesting, you know, to see who comes out on top. I mean, if if this had been a not a, not a Phoenix, then basically it would have just uh, been that um, uh, Jesse Love would have just had to start the race to win the championship. But when you when you throw in another another nine cars on top of you know, the 16, you know, that they needed, you know, now, you know, you're not becomes, you know, a race of, you know, now he not only has to start, but he has to have a good finish and off the Blaine, you know, still Blaine still has to finish, I think, 14 or 15 spots in, in front of him in order to, you know, to get the championship, something like that. I forget how the, how the mathematics worked out. Okay. Well, Jay and I will be doing a preview show on this race uh, this Thursday. So uh, we'll definitely look forward to doing that. I, I really think uh, it's going to be interesting. I think having all these other drivers uh, are really going to make it interesting. I really want to encourage everybody to go over to ArcaRacing.com and read some of the great articles that are up there because uh, they give some great articles. Um, there's some uh, uh, Brett Holmes. There's a Brett Holmes feature there. There's uh, Mark McFarland. Uh, earns the Comedic Crew Chief of the Year Award for 2020. Um, and uh, the little introduction to who Alex Sedgwick is. Uh, he's a European driver who's making his debut this weekend, as we mentioned with uh, Bill McAnally Racing, so you can learn more about him there. Uh, so definitely head over there and take a look uh, at what they have uh, set up for this Arizona Lottery 100. The race will take place on November the 7th uh, at Phoenix Raceway at about 3, east, 3 o'clock Eastern, but noon Mountain Time. That's uh, local time. So uh, definitely um, uh, check that out. Okay, so, Sal, let's go ahead and get into the truck series. We've got about 15 minutes for each series tonight. Um, and the race winner in that truck series was Grant Infinger. Uh, and this this shocks me. It says he's 35 years old. Is that right? Grant Infinger. I thought he was younger than that for some reason. Grant uh, Infinger, 35. Yeah. At age yeah, 35, in the <laughs> in the number 98 Champion Curb Records Ford for Thor Sport Racing with his crew chief Jeff Hensley, and he's been with him uh, for quite a few years. They seem to have a good partnership going there. It was his sixth victory in 106 NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series races, his fourth victory and 13th top 10 finish this year, and the first victory and fourth top 10 finish in nine races at Martinsville Speedway. Ben Rhodes posted a second-place finish, posting his fifth top 10 finish in 11 races at Martinsville. It's his 13th top 10 finish this year. Zane Smith, the highest-finishing rookie, finished in third, posting his first top 10 finish in his series track debut at Martinsville Speedway. That says a lot about Zane Smith and the talent that he brings to the table. So the four drivers, uh, we'll talk about this when we go over the points. Um, 
But and I'll just leave that for when we go over the points. We'll identify who the four drivers are at that time. Uh, to go over the rest of the finishing order here, this was in a little bit different order. Let me see if I can find the running order here. I've got a points report. And another points report. Okay, I've got a feeling one of these points reports is uh, misidled. Nope, that's a points report. <laughs> we didn't get a finishing order in the truck series, uh, uh, Sal. Wow. Okay, for some reason the uh, point, the finishing order is not there. I'm going to run over to NASCAR.com real quick and see if I can get it from there. Um, the truck series, let's see if we can, Martinsville results. Okay, uh, I apologize for the delay here. Uh, a little taken back here because uh, normally we get that in our stat pack, but it was not there today. Okay, to finish out the running order, we, we mentioned Grant Denfinger, Ben Rose, and Zane Smith. In fourth place was, was Christian Eckes, and in fifth place was Matt Crafton. Uh, to round out the remainder of the top ten, we have Stuart Friesen, Danny Bone uh, finished in seventh place, Sheldon Creed in eighth, Austin Wayne South with the top ten, finishing ninth, and Derek Krause with the top ten finish, Jay, or Sal. So uh, there you have your top ten running order. Any thoughts, sir? Yeah, I was uh, at the end of, towards the end of the race. It just got really the drivers got sloppy. I mean, they were just there's like no respect out there. And even after the race. Matt Crafton talked about it. He goes, Matt, he goes, I've never seen this many cautions, you know, at the end of a race, you know, and I know everybody was fighting for the championship, but, you know, he kind of felt bad for Matt because Matt had a chance. He could have taken Dane Smith out and grabbed that extra spot and made the chase. But, you know, mm-hmm. Matt, he started, you know, he took the initiative, you know, to race him clean, but then without realizing that everybody else was going to be, you know, thrashing each other, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of retaliation from races back, you know, and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of, there's a lot of, well, it's like the commentators were saying, you know, we've never had to use a beep on this much as we had to for this race, you know, you know, for the post race, you know, because everybody was dropping F-bombs and, you know, and it was just, uh, <laughs> it was, yeah. like Matt said, it was, it was, it was real sloppy, you know, last, the closing laps, you know, all the cautions that happened, but. Um, you know, Grant Infinger came out on top, and I think he was in a must-win situation in order to make the chase. Yeah, we saw a lot of that this weekend, and and uh, yeah, I think he was too, Sal, and, and he was able to pull that off. He was my pick for this weekend, so I was real happy to see Grant Infinger uh, get that finish and um, uh, be able to put himself into the championship four. Uh, last year, you might recall, he was uh, the regular season champion and had a motor go out 
uh, and it eliminated him early. I think it, he was one of the first people eliminated um, uh, last year right away in the very first round. So it's good to see him get this opportunity to be a part of the championship for this year. Uh, real happy to see that. But also uh, Danny Bone having, having a really good run in seventh place. Uh, I thought that was a great finish for Austin Wayne South in ninth. Um, I think they are starting to find their stride a little bit here. Uh, Christian Eckes uh, and Zane Smith, both rookies, finishing in third and fourth. Uh, some really good finishes there. Yeah, Zane has really come out, you know, really come out, you know, strong this year. You know, and you know, I mean, championship or not, you know, he, you know, he can really, you know, look at, you know, you know, the huge strides that he made, you know, in the series, you know, you know. You know, to make the chase and everything like that. You know, and, um, you know, the season he's had. You know, had the wins and stuff like that. So, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's got, uh, you know, a, a lot to build on next season. You know, you know, depending where he's going to break that next. I'm not, I'm not sure if this was a contract year for him or not. But I mean, if he's going to be back, you know, it's going to be, you know, he's he's going to bring a lot to the table next year. Uh, yes, indeed. Now, uh, I did find that sheet. It was the very last page. Uh, the first stage was won by Sheldon Freed. The second stage was run by uh, Stuart Friesen. And, of course, Grant Infigor won that third stage. There were 11 caution flags for 82 laps and 16 lead changes among nine drivers. The margin of victory between Ben Rhodes and uh, Grant Infigor was 0.803 seconds. So it was a close finish uh, for those drivers. Sal, do you, are you able to pull up the points report? You know, sure. I'm driving right now. I can't. I can't look down. I had a feeling. Okay, let me go yeah. ahead and uh, cover the points report here. Uh, in the points report, uh, Sheldon Creed uh, is at the top of the list. He's he's the leader. 32 points out from Zane Smith in second place. Uh, for the rookie, I think that's a that's a really great season for him. Matt Crafton, the veteran, in third place. Uh, he's 35 points out. And Austin Hill in fourth place, 53 points out. Brett Moffat rounds out the top five. He is 60 points out. Uh, now, it's the top four drivers that are advancing. Uh, and this is – let me go over to NASCAR.com because – this uh, is not given the breakdown uh, to show who the championship four are. So let me check that real quick here. Um, the championship four, so we went for the truck series. Okay, so Sheldon Creed, Grant Infinger, Brett Moffat, uh, and Zane Smith are the are the uh, drivers that are all advancing uh, to the final four. So uh, uh, you've got those four drivers. Sheldon Creed has the four wins. Grant Dinfinger now has four wins. Brett Moffat with one win and Zane Smith with two. So those are your top uh, top guys uh, going into the final race at Phoenix this weekend. The drivers that did not make it in, Matt Crafton, uh, Austin Hill, big surprise there, Christian Eckes, and Ben Rhodes are the four drivers 
uh, that will not be competing for a championship this year. Any thoughts uh, there, Sal? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. You know, I've always been – I've never really cared for the chase to begin with. <clears throat> you know, um, I kind of think that a, that a provision should have been made, you know, for the previous year's championship, you know, as long as he – made the chase, you know, to give him a shot at that, you know, repeating as champion, which of course would have been Matt Crafton, you know, um, you know, with the way this, this format is set up, you know, um, you know, I, I don't see why they, they can't add that, you know, that fifth driver, you know, in there, you know, to, you know, to give, you know, the champion a chance to, you know, to defend his, you know, even though, you know, they all, they all have the equal to opportunity, you know, throughout the chase, you know, to advance, but, you know, when, when you get into a situation like Matt was in this past weekend, you know, I mean, he could have wrecked a driver to get in, you know, but he decided, you know, mm-hmm. to take the the more respectable route. You know what? And, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to race him hard, you know, and get in that way, you know, because of you know, the veteran that he is, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, either way, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a good race for the championship come this weekend at Phoenix. Absolutely, and and I hear what you're saying, and it, it'll be interesting if NASCAR considers that uh, idea. But here's the thing: everybody knows the rules going into this, um, and it's kind of like you know when you're in football or baseball. Sometimes the championship team, the lead, team that's been number one all season long, falls in the first bracket. So uh, Matt Crafton made it all the way to the to the penultimate bracket. Uh, and came up a little bit short, but he did it respectably, and I, I do have to give him a whole lot of credit uh, for doing that. So, uh, you know, it would be nice if NASCAR changes the rules maybe in the future to allow a previous champion to compete. But in another respect, it gives them less less uh, motivation or incentive to go out there and get those wins if they know that they're automatically going to be in. So, oh yeah, and, and I doubt that yeah. with that. Oh yeah, NASCAR is not going to change it. I mean, you know, it's just a thought. You know, especially after the, you know, we've seen. Well, we'll get to the other series and talk about the other series, but you know, you know the way, you know, you know everybody was just fighting to get in. You know, and, and Matt could have taken that road, but he didn't. Either way, you know mm-hmm. what? It is what it is. You know what? We got a championship right race coming up this weekend. Yeah, we got a championship mm-hmm. race coming up this weekend. You know what? There's, there's four. Four good drivers who are, who earn their way in, you know, and they're gonna, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see who comes out on top. Okay, let's listen to the opening comment from Grant Denfinger after he won uh, to put himself into the championship for driving the number ninety-eight champion Curb Records Ford. It's, it may be a couple seconds here to get everything set up. Here we go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're now joined by our race winner, Grant Empfinger, driver of the number 98 for Thor Sport Racing, and um, you just punched his ticket also to the championship four. So, Grant, can you just tell us how you're feeling right yeah, now? Yeah, definitely. Uh, hasn't sunk in all the way yet, but um, I'm mean, just proud of everybody on this team. Uh, we we kind of came in here with, with nothing to lose, and uh, – Honestly, that's probably how we'll approach Phoenix as well. So kind of had a back against the wall, uh, which has happened a few times 
to this group, um, you know, the same group uh, that we've been working together uh, for four years in outdoor sport racing. So, you know, uh, it was a kind of crazy turn of events. Uh, it got, got wild, got dicey. Um, you know, a lot of stuff happened up front. We were able to, to control the race uh, for a little bit of it. <laughs> but even though we were in the lead for some of it, we still really weren't in control. Uh, it seemed like we needed two or three laps to, to click off, and, and then we could kind of get in the rhythm and go. Um, but, man, to get to that point was uh, was a lot of a lot of getting roughed up um, and a lot of having to use that bumper. Um, one of those deals we kind of had to had to pull the gloves off and and, uh, and fight with them. But uh, really proud of, of how this team uh, uh, overcome the, the adversity that, that we were up against. And uh, and thank God for this opportunity. Okay, so any thoughts there, real quick? Yeah, just the same thing that basically Matt Crafton said, and that all the fans seen, you know, was that. You know, the gloves had to come off, you know, and there had to be some, you know, basically some rough driving, you know, in order to, in order to you know, in order to get into that championship four, you know what, and each driver did what they felt they had to do, and you know what, and it was, uh, I mean, for the fans, I'm sure it was a good race. Some were happy, some were sad, but you know what? We don't live in a perfect world, and if we did, everyone would, would be a champion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series, Sal. Uh, race winner was Harrison Burton, the rookie, uh, two in a row for him at age 20 in the number 20 Dex Imaging Toyota with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing and crew chief Ben Bashore. Uh It was his fourth victory in 42 Xfinity Series races, his fourth victory in 21st top 10 this year, and his first victory and first top ten finish in his series debut at Martinsville Speedway. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Justin Algauer finished second, posting his first top ten finish in his series debut at Martinsville. It's his 18th top ten finish this year. Noah Gregson posted a third-place finish, his first top ten finish in the series debut at Martinsville Speedway. And as we mentioned, uh, Chase, uh, Harrison Burton is the rookie and uh, was able to win this race, making it two in a row for him. Uh, we were wondering what happened with uh, Harrison Burton uh, leading up to the playoffs uh, because he won prior to the pandemic. Uh, three, you know, He had a couple of wins prior to the pandemic, and uh, then it seems like he had good finishes, but he wasn't winning anymore. So it was good to see him come back and be able to get another victory. Um, you've got Jeb Burton, his cousin, finishing in fourth place, followed by Ross Chastain to round out the top five. Then another rookie, uh, Riley Erbst, finished in sixth, Chase Briscoe seventh, Michael Annette eighth, Brandon Jones in ninth, and Austin Sendrick rounds out the top ten here. So uh, your thoughts about that top ten? Yeah, I thought I thought the end of the race was pretty cool that uh, you know, um, that Jeff Burton came on, you know, congratulated his son, you know, on the win on the mm-hmm. radio, you know, and it's funny because he talked. The first thing he said was, "He goes, Dad, you never did a burnout like this or something to that effect." You know, he's talking about the burnout, you know, but it was good, you know, to you know hear Jeff, you know, be able to congratulate him, you know, on the win, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, you know, a little father and son moment there. Um, for those of you who who don't realize how close the Burton family is um, every year when, when Harrison goes to the snowball derby, Jeff and, and, his, and, and, the, and Harrison's mom, they, they both 
they both attend the Derby, you know, for the weekend, you know, they're, they're next mm-hmm. to them, you know, next to them all the time. So it, it's a huge family affair, you know, for the Burton family, you know, and it was neat, you know, to hear Jeff congratulate him, you know, and, and to see him get, you know, that second win in a row and, uh, you know, really start to, you know, come around as his own, you know, and solidify himself as a legit, you know, Xfinity, mm-hmm. you know, Xfinity racer. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Jeff Burton never believed in ruining, messing up his car. He felt that doing the donuts um, was doing a disservice to the to the folks that back in the shop that take care of the car, and he wanted to take care of his car. So doing a uh, burnout to him was counter, counterproductive to that, and so he never did that. But uh, Harrison Burton is is uh, into the burnouts, and uh, I'm really happy to see him get those victories. Um, so let's uh, talk about this. Uh, their number nine car, that's uh, Noah Gregson, he, fit, he won the first stage. I believe it was Ross Chastain who won the second stage. Let me make sure that's correct. He's the number 10 car, right? Yeah. Yeah, Ross yeah, Chastain yeah. won the second stage. And uh, the margin of victory, this was another close one, 0.355 seconds uh, to get that victory. Uh, there were 10 caution flags for 63 laps, 11 lead changes among six drivers. So uh pretty active race uh, there for the Xfinity Series at Martinsville, and I'm I'm so surprised at how many of these guys were on series debuts and how well they did. Yeah, you know, and, and it, you know, like you said, you know, it was it was a really good, you know, it was a really good race, you know, you know, between all of them, you know, what and the the you know the finishes were close. Um, Noah was really pushing to try and get that because he was in a. He was in a, uh, a must win. win-all situation, too, a must-win situation. You know, and he fell short, you know, because, you know, that one week that he had where he finished dead last, you know, when mm-hmm. he got to that wreck early. But, um, you know, it's it's um, you know it's going to be neat next season because, you know, Justin Allgaier announced today, you know, that he's going back with JR Motorsports. Yes. So, you know, so now we finally know who the three drivers are, which is going to be, you know, Noah, Justin, and um, – Oh gosh, I forget who the other one was. Michael Annette. No, it's not Michael Annette. It was uh, gosh, Sharon. He just signed. I can't remember. Oh, I know who it, it was, is. But anyways, it's um, I know who it is too, and it, and the name is on the tip of my tongue. It'll come to I know. here in a minute. Same, same thing here. Yeah, same thing here. Okay, your final four, the four that are going to be contending for the championship at Phoenix is going to be Chase Briscoe in the number one position right now, Justin Algauer in second, and Justin Haley in third. Austin Sindrick rounds out those four drivers that will all be competing for that championship at Phoenix. So this is going to be exciting uh, to watch. Chase, of course, has the nine victories. You've got Austin Sindrick with five victories, uh, and Justin Algauer and Justin Haley both with three victories. So uh, this is going to be a barn burner, I think, in uh, Phoenix. The four drivers uh, that didn't make it in um, were uh, Noah Gregson and Ross Chastain, uh, along with Brandon Jones and Harrison Burton. Um, 
So, and I'm trying to think, was it just three drivers or was it four? It, I know it's four drivers that are going uh, on. So um, that's a shame because uh, Harrison would have been uh, a really great contender with his four victories this season. Uh, but I think he's really setting himself up for next season with these good runs that he's had uh, at the end of this season. Oh yeah, he is. You know what? And he's going to be a, he's going to be a force next season. He's going to be a one to really watch next season along with, um, along with Justin Allgaier, you know, and, um, and, uh, um, uh, no, Gregson, you know, and I'm still we're still waiting on the on the on the um on who's gonna take over um Austin Cedric's seat over at Stuart Haas Racing. I know that there's been rumors of um Riley Hurst possibly going over there and staying in the Xfinity series. So, you know, you're gonna have a lot of we're still gonna have a lot of veterans there. Austin you know, Cedric is gonna wait, wait, wait. Austin Cedric is going to be racing Oh, you're talking about Chase Briscoe. Yeah, Austin yeah, Cedric is racing the Xfinity yeah. Series. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry, I meant Chase Briscoe. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah, okay. he, yeah, yeah, Chase is moving up. Yeah, Chase is moving up, but um, you know that that to take over that Xfinity spot at Stuart Haas Racing, but you know, and then of course Ross Chastain's moving up too. So you know, we're we're losing Ross Chastain, and I'm still surprised that he he didn't have a win this season. I mean, he was just so strong last yeah. season. <laughs> he you was. know, and um. You know, then with the announcement of NASCAR, you know, doing the same thing, you know, about not having not having practice, you know, but just doing, you know, the qualifying draw. You know what? I guess I think they, I don't know how many races they announced. You know, they're not going to do practice or qualifying. You know, so everyone's going to still kind of be in the same boat. But at least the ones that were here this year, you know, they they got something they could take with them you know, next season, you know, to build off of, you know, notes and stuff like that. It's going to be Xfinity mm-hmm. series really turned out to be a good series this year. You know, and I know in years past, it really wasn't, you know, one of some, you know, that everybody wanted to watch, but um, the last couple I, I, of years, I, it's been fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it has. Last year you we know, had the so, big um, three with, with uh, Custer and Bell and Ruddick. Uh, so that yeah. was a fun se- season to watch. Uh, but you're right. I was a little disappointed with the Xfinity Series there for a while. It was not uh, as competitive as we've seen in the other two series. And the last couple of years, it's been so much fun to watch the Xfinity Series drivers. So I hope I hope they can keep that momentum going in that series. Yeah, so do I. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's, um, I'll tell you, it's really something, you know, and, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, neat, you know, see how, you know, how it plays out next season, too. Without a doubt. Okay. Now, I do have um, the uh, driver, the winning driver, uh, Harrison Burton, uh, and we'll listen to his opening comments after winning uh, this weekend at Martinsville. Again, his debut at that track in the number 20 Dex Imaging Toyota. Hey Harrison, can you hear me alright? Very good. Awesome. Well, we are now joined by our race winner, Harrison Burton, driver of the number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Um, Harrison, I mean, back-to-back wins and did it at Martinsville. How are you feeling right now? Um, You know, obviously, 
Uh, we wish we could have been in this round of the playoffs because that would have been a pretty good round for us to get to Phoenix. But, uh, you know, honestly, once we got eliminated, that made me so hungry. It made my race team so hungry to prove uh, that we were deserving of a spot in the championship four. And uh, we obviously didn't do our job in the first three races, but we wanted to prove that we were capable of doing what we needed to do. And uh, it's been really nice to do that. Uh, winning is amazing, and winning at Texas the way we did was incredible. And now winning at Martinsville, which is a place uh, where I made my first truck start. It's it's where my dad won his first Xfinity race. Just so many things that make Martinsville special to me. And uh, to do it in the way we did it was uh, was awesome. Okay. So, Sal, any thoughts about that? Those comments. Sal, are you still there? Sal, did I lose you? Sharon, I got I got to go for like five minutes. I I just got to the job center. I got to talk to my guy real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll I, 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 yeah, I tried sending you a text. Give me like five, six minutes. Oh, okay, got it. Okay. okay, so we'll go from there. Okay, so that was Harrison Burton talking about how special Martinsville is to him and uh, how important it is uh how how uh, much how that made it so much more exciting for him to get that victory. He also talked about uh, you know wishing that he had not been eliminated in the previous round, uh, and and I thought that was the case. Um, they they eliminated two drivers this time. Harrison Burton was eliminated in the previous round, so he was he is not eligible to compete for the championship at Phoenix, even though he won those two races in this particular round. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I, I do think he's building momentum uh, when you think about what's going to happen in the upcoming um, season. And that uh, I'm pretty sure Harrison Burton's going to be back in that number 20 uh, Dex Imaging uh, JGR Toyota. So I think uh, we're going to see him definitely uh, being a strong competitor for that 2021 season. And it makes me excited, uh, as Sal and I were just talking about earlier, uh, to think about uh, that season and the Xfinity series. Um, Let's see, Justin Algauer, I do have some audio here from him as well. Um, we'll be, um, we're kind of close on time. I'll tell you what, <clears throat> let's hold off on that for now. I'm going to go ahead and get into uh, the Cup Series because I don't want us to run out of time um, to kind of cover, do a good job of covering what happened in the Cup Series because this was an exciting race. If you were watching the points throughout the race, uh, it was an ever-changing uh, proposition uh, in the Cup Series because uh, Denny Hamlin was in and out. Uh, Kevin Harvick was up and down. Uh, it just was uh, amazingly uh, uh, ever-changing throughout the race. Chase Elliott, though, was the race winner at the age of 24 in the number nine Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet with Hendrick Motorsports and his crew chief, Alan Gustafson. Now, it was his 10th 
victory in 185 NASCAR Cup Series races, his fourth victory, and his 21st top 10 finish this year. It was his first victory and sixth top 10 finish in 11 races at Martinsville Speedway. Ryan Blaney posted a second-place finish, his 12th top 10 finish in 24 races at Martinsville. Cole Custer was the highest-finishing rookie, and he finished in 13th place. To round out the remainder of the uh, top 10 here, let's see if I can find that page. I've got a feeling it's going to be the last page again. Nope. Okay, let me scroll back up. Uh, They've got everything in a little bit different order on these sheets this time, which makes it a little confusing here. Okay. Okay. This is, no, that's not it either. I apologize here. Okay, I've got it now. Okay, Chase Elliott, we've mentioned, Ryan Blaney, we've mentioned, and Joy Logano was the third-place finisher. Then you've got Brad Keselowski finishing in fourth, followed by Kurt Busch to round out the top five. The next five were Alex Bowman, Eric Almarola, Clint Boyer, Kyle Busch, and Matt Benedetto coming home with a top-ten finish. So those are your top-ten finishers. Sal, did I hear your, your back? Yes, I'm back. Okay. Yes, I'm back. So your thoughts about that top ten? I'm sorry, Sharon. I I didn't hear the top ten. Okay. uh, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Kurt Busch runs out the top five. The next five were Alex Bowman, Eric Almarola, Clint Boyer, Kyle Busch, and Matt Benedetto. Uh, bringing home that 10th place finish. Yeah, you know what? And actually, Sharon, when I was talking earlier, you know, about the, you know, about the, you know, the championship thing, you know, and the way it should should have been done, this, this is where it came in, you know, is that Kevin Harvick won the, you know, he was mm-hmm. the regular series champion, you know, and I think that they should have made an exception, you know, for the regular series champion, you know, and let him go ahead and, you know, and have some kind of a spot. I mean, after all, I remember one year when Jeff Gordon didn't make it, they they made they made an exception and they let Jeff come in. Um, Kevin did everything he could to try and get in, you know, including admitting, you know, that he tried to wreck Kyle Busch, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. You know, then of course, then you had the Denny Hamlin incident. But the top four, I mean, you can't go wrong with it. With even if Phil Harvard didn't make it, man, you still can't go wrong with the, you know, who's going to be in there. Um, Oh, Chase okay. Elliott, you know, yeah, Chase Elliott, you know, just a phenomenal season. I mean, a, a must win, and then to to win at this level, you know, everybody mm-hmm. talks about you know young drivers to win at this level is an easy, and then for him to win at this level, especially at Martinsville, was a mm-hmm. huge accomplishment for Chase. You know, I mean, he yeah. he more than well deserved it. It's going to be this exciting. This is the biggest race of his career, without a doubt. And and I and I said from the beginning, my boy was Brad. And I'm going to stick with Brad to win the whole thing. Yeah, I think Brad's got a pretty good chance at uh, Phoenix to uh, be the winner. And But we'll see what happens. On the poll on uh, Race Hub today, everybody was voting for Chase Elliott. He's the most popular driver, so I'm sure he got a lot of votes that way. Um, but I can't wait. Uh, it, it is going to be fun to watch. 
Uh, the margin of victory here was a little bit bigger. He won by 6.577 seconds. That's how commanding uh, that lead was. And it was clear he had one of the best cars uh, out there on the track, if not the best car. Um that he had to. He had a penalty. He had to go all the way to the back and race his way back through that field in order to make it to victory lane. So uh, it was an amazing accomplishment. Uh, Denny Hamlin won the first stage. Uh, Chase Elliott won the second stage, and then uh, went on, of course, to win the race. There were 12 caution flags for 83 laps and 20 lead changes among 10 drivers in this race cell. Amazing. You know what? And it I think is, it wasn't it what wasn't it Chase's um the penalty wasn't it kind of controversy they said because the guy went over the wall then he came back and the rule says as long as he comes back he shouldn't have gotten the penalty. I'm not sure if it was that one or if it was another one. There was another one. He had a penalty where he okay. did have to go to the back. But uh there was the penalty where his uh, his uh, crew member jumped the pit box, jumped into the pit box too soon. He realized the mistake, ran back, touched the wall, and then had to go kind of the long way around the car uh, to get to, over to the side that he needed to be on. Uh, and because he was, he had the presence of mind to do that. Uh, they were saved from getting that penalty. So that was. Huge. There you go. That's what it was. Yeah, that was huge. Okay, the four drivers now that made it into the championship four. Uh, Joey Logano, of course, had that win. Chase Elliott came up with a win. And then there was Brad Keselowski and Denny Hamlin rounding out the top four. Denny Hamlin was, that was really tight. And there was some talk today about whether or not JGR gave orders to Eric Jones not to pass Denny Hamlin because had he passed Denny Hamlin, he would have been out of the championship four and it would have been Kevin Harvick in. So uh, it turns out that NASCAR reviewed it. They said that there was no, everything was fine and they were not going to issue any penalties. So uh, a little bit of controversy with that there as well. The drivers that well, did not well, make it yeah. into the uh, that chair, the but they four. did find out. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyways, what they did find oh. out was that there there was that communication, but they weren't going to penalize them for it. But right. If, I'm, right. Not a, I'm not a Hamlin fan, but Eric Jones was trying to pass him. I mean, he kept getting up on his bumper and on the side of him trying to pass him. So, But mm-hmm. you know what? Um, Danny Hamlin got that pass. And, I, and you know me, Mr. Controversy, all the time, they gave him that because he has that new team. <laughs> coming in next year he's putting money into nascar so nascar said he has to be in the chase <laughs> you know that's the second situation that we're hearing that but, okay uh the four drivers that did not make it into the final four include kevin harvick who would have ever thought that would happen uh kevin harvick alex bowman martin truex jr and Kyle Busch, our uh, defending champion. There's some big, big names in that group of four drivers. Uh, And, uh, you know, unfortunately, only four drivers can advance. And uh, it comes down to, it came down to that final race. And uh, Kevin Harvick's car just was not what he needed 
in order to be able to go out there and win and secure his spot in that final four. Um, but it's an interesting thought that you bring up, making sure that, uh, you know, the regular season champion gets a chance uh, to be in the final four. Uh, it would be great if NASCAR reviews that and makes that change. But, again, I, I think it takes away from – excuse me, I got the hiccup there. I think that takes away from them racing harder throughout the series. They, I, I would think there has to be a caveat uh, that goes along with that, that they have to win at least once throughout the playoffs in order for that to happen. But uh, we'll, have well, to, we'll have to see what happens with these championship four. You know, then you look at Martin Truex to pick up the penalty last week, you know, 20-point mm-hmm. penalty. You know, they're really just, you know, that just really devastated his whole season right there, you know, and had he not had that 20-point penalty, you know. He, he would have been I don't, closer. I don't, I don't think, yeah, he would have been a lot closer. But, um, boy, I was watching those points back and forth between Brad and um, between Brad and um, and uh, and Kevin and, and Danny. Oh, I know. You know what? And, and Brad, Brad did what he had to do. You know what? He ran his race and – you know what? Didn't do anything yep. stupid, and you know what? And stayed clean. You know what? And and um, he made it in. You know, it's going to be. And what Brad did maybe. is, Brad was of those three drivers. Brad was the one who was advancing uh, and making it harder on those guys. The other guys were having trouble advancing and getting around some of those cars. So Brad, Brad definitely deserves to be in that final four. Yeah, he does. He he worked hard all. All of the drivers worked hard all season. All all of them decided. All of them deserve to be in the in the top four yeah, except for Bubba you're Wallace. Right. <laughs> See, you finally agreed with me no. on something. You even agreed with Bubba Wallace. You you said yes. Yeah. You go, you're right. When I say that, it's, it's, except Bubba Wallace, you go, yes, you're right. See. But I did not say that. <laughs> we're, we're getting the end of the season. You know, we only got one more. Show. I think one more show after this. So I got to throw in all my. <laughs> All my stuff this week and next all week. All your digs. Okay. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, all in all, you know what? Congratulations to every driver, you know, that you know that, that yeah. made it through this whole season. You know, win or lose, you know what? Um, you you guys you guys made it through the pandemic, which was huge. Mm-hmm. You know, because we did for a while. It didn't look like we are going to have a season. You know what? And, uh, you know, and, 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 man, you know, to see Clint Boyer leave, Without a you know a farewell tour was kind of sad, but to see Jimmy Johnson leave, but then go to IndyCar, I'm so looking mm-hmm. forward to Long Beach Grand Prix next next year when I when I'll be mm-hmm. at the I'll be at the Grand Prix and be able to see Jimmy Johnson. Yes, that, that's going to be fantastic. Let's listen to uh, Chase Elliott's uh, comments after winning uh, his spot into the Final Four in the Number Nine Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet. Hey, Chase, can you hear me okay? Yep. All righty. Well, congratulations. Thank you for taking the time to to join us. Um, we will get right into questions for our race winner. If you have them, please raise your hand. And we will kick things off with Cole with Popular Speed. Go ahead, Cole. Hey, Chase, congratulations. Um, I'm curious, with the championship four set, is there one team you see as the biggest threat? Uh, and if so, why? Uh, I'm not. You know, I think the worst thing we can do is worry about everybody else all week. Um, 
but for right now, I'm I'm just enjoying the night. You know, this is a big moment for us having to perform in uh, in a in a tough spot where we had to and didn't have a choice. I think that's something we've been missing as a team and, and something we haven't been able to achieve over these last handful of years. So to be in the position we were in tonight, to have to perform, to go perform, uh, to win the race, and, and you know lock ourselves into Phoenix and have a shot for a championship, these are all moments that we've never or I've never experienced. Um, and moments that we haven't done yet as a team. So I'm just enjoying that right now. I know the week's short, but I'm going to enjoy that for sure for a little while. And, you know, we'll go to work on Phoenix uh, starting tomorrow. Okay, Sal, your thoughts about Chase's comments? Very smart guy, you know, very smart kid when you think about him being so young. You know what, we're not going to worry about it right now. You know what, when the time comes, you know, for the team to get together and start talking to Phoenix, that's when we're going to do it. You know, and yep. enjoy this moment. You know what? Take this time out. You know, enjoy the win. You know, enjoy, you know, what you've accomplished so far because come Phoenix and it's going to be, it's not going to be so much of a madhouse because all the media is not going to be there that was, that technically should be there. The fans that are normally there, you know, it's going to be kind mm-hmm. of like a, you know, it's kind of serene, but you know, the drivers, once they get their helmets on, you know what? They're, they're there to do a job, you know, but you know, Chase is getting some really good coaching, um, and you know he's going to do good. I mean he's he's not going to he's not going to disappoint. I don't think any of those top four are going to disappoint. And um, I guess you can say Chase Chase is kind of like the like the rookie out of the other out of the other. Well, I'm sorry, Hamlin hasn't had a championship either, but he's been in that position before. So um, it's it's. It's anybody's race. It's you know, anybody's Chase race. Proven, and... he, Chase has proven he belongs there. Yes, I think he has. And uh, it is going to be a fun uh, championship for uh, to watch in this Cup Series because, like you said, just about any one of them are capable of going out there and, and getting the best finish. Uh, they don't necessarily have to win to win the championship. Uh, but all of them are capable of having a really good run and winning that race. And uh, unless there's mistakes or or problems uh, with the car, I think any one of them, it's in their hands at this point, and we'll have to wait and see what happens at Phoenix this weekend. So looking forward to it. Uh, You won't be at Phoenix. Will you be at any other racetracks this weekend, Sal? No, nah, I won't be at a racetrack until a couple of weeks when we go to Vegas for the um, Las Vegas for the uh, SRL Southwest Tour. And then oh, after cool. that, then we got the, that, then we got the Snowball Derby. Is uh, that their finale at Las Vegas, Sal? <clears throat> no, their finale is going to be in Irondale this year on December nineteenth. Will be the finale for the for the um, SRL Tour. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, so. Keep us posted on what's going on there. And, uh, Sal, it's been a lot of fun here. Uh, Looking forward to uh, doing our last show next Monday night when we uh, cover the finale. And uh, we'll be doing our final uh, preview show this this Thursday night. So uh, things are starting to wind down here. Yeah, it is. You know what? once again, everybody just stay safe, you know, wear your mask, you know, and help the, help the country out, 
you know, let's just get this country back to where it should be, you know, and open it up. You know, we've been, we've yes, been locked up for too long. And you know what? Then don't forget to vote. Tomorrow's tomorrow's election day, and um, you know what? Make sure your vote counts. And other than that, thanks, Sharon. Everybody, good night. Have a good evening. You guys have a good show. Okay. Thanks a lot, Sal. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, goodbye. All right. It is uh, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That means that it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us uh, for tonight's show is our co-host, first of all, Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks, Sharon. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, we've got a full house here for Hot Topics tonight, so that ha- hasn't happened for a while. So it's going to be an interesting show. Uh, we also have Jay Huseman. Welcome, welcome to the show, Jay. Well, I'm glad we got a full house because I don't think this is hot topics tonight. I think this is explosive topics tonight. So bring <laughs> on our other uh, other host and let's get at it. <laughs> okay. Uh, also joining us uh, as a member of the Fan for Racing crew is Michael Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey-o! All right, uh, so let's have at it. Uh, I'm going to bring up uh, probably the hottest topic that's been talked about since the race yesterday, and uh, I'll, I'll just throw it out there to get things kicked off here, Andy. Uh, and that is uh, there was some talk about uh, Joe Gibbs Racing being reviewed by NASCAR, uh, for conversation that took place on on the radio for Eric Jones uh, telling him not to pass, uh, uh, who is it, Denny Hamlin, because had he passed Denny Hamlin on the track, uh, Kevin Harvick would be in that final four and Hamlin would be on the outside looking in. So I want to get your guys' thought about that because NASCAR – came back already and has said they've reviewed it and they've decided not to issue any penalties in this particular case. So, Andy, we'll start with you and get your thoughts. Well, I mean, it seemed, to me, it seemed fairly obvious that they did it, but at the same time, I I don't know that anyone really wants that to be the story going into championship weekend, so... Um, I, I think it's fair to say that every team tries to help out their teammates at some point in time. Um, I'm a little disappointed that there wasn't at least some penalty. Everyone made a huge deal about Michael Waltrip racing seven years ago and manipulating a race is manipulating a race, which I felt like the 20 team did. So a little frustrated that there wasn't some kind of penalty there, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I don't know that anyone wants that to be the storyline going into this weekend. So I'm glad that it's behind everybody and uh, they can move forward, really. Um, and, and like I said, you know, I think that to some degree, every every team's trying to help their teammates out in some form or fashion. And it just so happened in this case that uh, it got publicized because it was communicated over the radio, um, you know, but I don't know. I mean, was it a really big deal? Probably not. Like I said, they you know, teams are doing this to help each other out all the time. Um, you hate to see it have an effect on the race, 
Um, you know, especially since Eric Jones got let go from Joe Gibbs racing. So there really wasn't any incentive to try to help those guys out. Um, but it's done, it's over with. And, um, you know, I guess we'll get to the, the final four here in a little bit, but, um, I don't know that it has a huge effect on, well, it does have a huge effect actually in terms of who made the final four. But, um, like Mm -hmm. I said, I don't want it to be, I don't want that to be the, um, the focal point going into this weekend. This weekend should be about crowning three champions. So, um, you know, even though NASCAR came out and said they were going to take a look at some things, I'm glad it's over and done with as of today. And uh, we can all move on and and focus on the races this weekend. Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Well, Andy, if you were in an election tomorrow, I'd vote for you because you gave a very politically correct answer. Uh, However... (laughs) And I don't the one say this very. I don't say this very often, but NASCAR dropped the ball. They made a huge mistake when they penalized Clint Boyer. The wording over the radio was, "Hey, doesn't your arm itch?" And then he spun out, and they said that it implied he did it intentionally, and that was code. This was black and white. He was told, "Don't pass Hamlin," and if you watch that race. For three to four laps, every corner, he was bumping him and nudging him, not trying to spin him out, but had the faster car to get by him that he could get to his bumper and nudge him and let him know he was there and wanted by. And all of a sudden, he was just running right with him and, and couldn't even get to him anymore. That This isn't done and over with as of today because this established that NASCAR has no credibility when it comes to that. So I, I disagree with that as well. I don't think this is over as of today because they said, oh, we're not doing anything. I think this is going to linger on long-term because, it, like I said, in my opinion, they made a huge, huge mistake. Mike, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Uh, get ready for it. I'm going to disagree with Jay. Um, <laughs> I think this is a good no-call on NASCAR's part. Um, first off, it wasn't Clint Boyer that they penalized. They penalized Michael Waltrip racing. And despite the controversy around Boyer and the allegations that he got a code word to spin intentionally, it was actually the team uh, explicitly telling Brian Vickers to pit with no reason, which is what instigated that penalty against Michael Waltrip racing and all three drivers in that instance. Um, So just to clear that up, as far as the hundred percent rule, I don't like the rule, period. I think it's way too arbitrary. I think it's way too subjective. I understand the intention of it. But if you're going to say that a race car driver needs to give 100% of his or her ability to attempt to win the race and then all the verbiage of that rule, you're really opening a Pandora's box of opinion and subjectivity and guesswork. So if somebody maybe lifts a little bit early and lets a teammate back on the lead lap to close out a stage – Should that team then be penalized? Or in this instance where there's a teammate who has a chance to advance and race for a championship and another car on that team does something to help the broader interest of the organization, namely allowing the team that has a chance to race for a championship to continue to be in the position to do so. I think that is a important part of racing if nascar is going to allow multi-car teams like it seems like this you know it's become the standard over the past 20 years or so you have to expect that there's going to be some sort of organizational strategy 
that goes beyond just, hey, each of our three to four cars or whatever, we're going to try and get one of them in a victory lane and kind of come what may with the other ones. There's always going to be a little bit of organizational uh, strategy, especially when you put the teams in the position that they're in with the current playoff format. So I think this was a good opportunity for NASCAR to keep Pandora's box closed on this, and I think they made the right call in doing so. Well, well, well. <laughs> I'm I'm going to agree and disagree with both Jay and Mike here. And I do agree, first of all, with Jay that Andy was very politically correct. Um, here's here's the thing. I feel that the this was not as egregious as the situation that happened with Michael Waltrip Racing. Michael Waltrip Racing, those were egregious errors, uh, sending Brian Vickers down uh, pit road without him even stopping at the I, – I, maybe he paused, I can't remember now, but uh, they sent him down pit road uh, to give the advantage uh, to their car. So uh, that was very blatant. Uh, the itching arm was very blatant. Um, uh, all of that was was very blatant. This was also blatant. They did come on the radio and they did say, "Do not pass the number 11." Uh, and they gave, they told him why they didn't want him to pass the number 11. Um, so it, it, it's it's very blatant. I agree with that. However, it's not something that wasn't being done with all the other teams there too. Um, but the difference was, I, in, in Kevin Harvick's case, Kevin Harvick was trying to get around. Uh, he, his teammates were racing him. The, the, Eric Almarola and uh, uh, Clint Boyer did not give any slack because Andy and I talked about this after the race. Uh, Clint Boyer and Kevin Harvick, or Clint Boyer and Eric Almarola did not give Kevin Harvick any slack whatsoever on the racetrack. They continued to race their car. And in, in Clint's case, uh, I think he was even told the same thing. He was told not to give up the, or to give up the spot, but he didn't do it. He kept racing. So um, when you take the whole picture into an account, uh, you can see where other team members were actually told to do that, and they didn't do it. Am I am I correct in that, Andy? Um, kind of. Except that with the fourteen radio, the only thing they told him was that Harvick was out by one. That's the only thing they said, and they said it like a few times. And it, you know, it kind of seemed to me like they were saying like, "Hey, Harvick's out by one," you know. But that's all they would say. They wouldn't go any further than that and I'm sure had they gone any further than that then they too would be looked at today uh, but that's all they said to him and, and I think that um, Almarola and Clint were too far ahead of Kevin to immediately help him and, and Mike and I talked about this too you know if either one of those cars slows off the pace and lets Kevin by and they get passed by somebody behind them and then it negates the whole purpose of doing it anyway so um, mm-hmm. But no, as far as I know, there wasn't any direct communication that told either one of those cars to 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 slow down. Or but there was an implied. Like. I 
you could you could say that, I suppose, but they were basically just letting them know what the points position was. But the only thing they said, they you know, they said Kevin's out by one, but that's all they would say, and they left it at that. And I'm not even sure, to be honest, if that was Channel 1 or Channel 2. It may have been Channel 2, which means the driver may never have heard that. I'm not sure. So um, it's hard oh, okay. to say, but nonetheless um, – you know, those guys, those guys were, they were racing ahead of Kevin and never even, um, never, you know, lifted or, or did, they never did anything to, to change the outcome of the race. So, which is a good thing. I mean, I, I, I didn't want to see that happen. Truthfully, I know at the end of the race, I thought that if Kevin got close, they probably wouldn't race him too hard, but he never even got to their bumpers at all. So, you know, ultimately that became a non-factor, I guess. Well, here here's where I think, um, just to kind of finish up my point, here's where I think NASCAR's not been clear and made this more subjective, is I don't think that the teams know where that line is between uh, what is going over the line and what is not going over the line. You hear you've got one team repeatedly saying, you know, we're one down, we're one down, and another team coming out and being a little more forthright and direct about it, saying don't pass the next car. Um, so where is that line? I guess they're defining it now, but you're not really defining it ahead of time for these drivers so that they know what's allowable and what's not. It's still manipulating the outcome of the race. No matter how you look at it, it's still an attempt to try to manipulate the outcome of the race to benefit another driver. So there's no two ways about that. (laughs) That's black and white. So that's where I agree with, with Jay a little bit. It's pretty much black and white. There's still tried to manipulate the race and did manipulate the outcome of the race. Um, So I think what NASCAR needs to do is they need to more clearly define what that is. If if this is not it, then what is it? (laughs) Because there's not a lot of difference between the itchy arm and, and the do not pass, except that one's a little bit coy about it where the other is a little bit more uh forthcoming about it so i i i I applaud nascar for maybe uh coming up with an answer right away now here's here's another way to look at this okay and and sal said this earlier so i know people are thinking this and this is the second time that this has happened where a penalty was not issued that benefited hamlin and there's a lot of people out there thinking that NASCAR is not giving those penalties in these cases because Hamlin's coming in with a new team, and they're going to get more visibility with Hamlin being on the positive side of that than they are with Harvick uh, of the championship four, and they want him to have that exposure versus Harvick at this point. So I don't know what's what's the case here and what's not the case here, uh, but there's a lot of – I do know that this is what a lot of people are thinking. So NASCAR has to be very, very careful about how they're looking at these things, and they're looking at a bigger picture. I get that. 
Okay, I get that they got to look at their bigger picture, but the consistency is where a lot of fans get hung up, and this looks like it's a little bit inconsistent. So uh, I do agree that there's a difference between the, the two situations, but, again, I think NASCAR's got to clearly and definitively define where that line is. And I don't think that that line is clearly and definitively identified at this point. So uh, they're they're kind of doing it, but there's a chance they've opened a, a Pandora's box, if you will, to use Mike's words. To me, they're opening up Pandora's box to exactly where that line is. So uh, I'm going to go back around the horn here. Andy, I'd like to get your follow-up. Well, that's a really, uh, really interesting take on Hamlin. I'm just curious, Sharon, what the other penalty was. I might be missing something. Um, what was the other scenario? Oh, it happened just recently, too, and I can't think of it exactly, but I remember hearing the same conversation around that penalty saying they're, they're helping Hamlin because he's got the new team that's coming out. They're not going to give them the penalty. I think it was a penalty to Hamlin. It wasn't the pit crew thing either. It was that passing below the team. yellow line at Talladega. Oh, that's what it was. There, it was passing Mike. below the there yellow line. That's uh, right. Yeah, it that's was right. passing below that yellow line at Talladega, and everybody was saying the same thing about it at that point, that they let it get by because of Hamlin's new team that's coming out. And they're going to get more mileage out of that Hamlin being in that Final Four. So there's two now. There's two now situations that they've let – kind of go by that uh, is benefiting Hamlin. And a lot of people think it's because of the new team that's coming out. So go ahead, Andy. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. And, you know, you'd you'd hate to think that that's the case, but that's two really big instances in the playoffs now that have put Hamlin in a position to win the championship. Now, granted, he has been arguably the second best team all year long, but, now, you know, he goes into the final four and, and the car that's been best all year is not racing for a championship. So that's, that's a really good point you bring up there. And, you know, you have to hope that it's just not the case because, you know, a lot of credibility with the sanctioning body will will be lost over time if those are the kinds of decisions that are truthfully being made. Um, I do want to kind of follow up the whole, you know, Jones-JGR situation with the fact that, it, you know, to speak of race manipulation – Kevin Harvick, maybe this is a secondary topic, I don't know, but it still kind of falls within the same realm. Um, you know, Harvick was also looked at for intentionally spinning Kyle Busch, which also would have mm-hmm. had an impact on on the race, and, and he was also deemed to be okay in that instance. So both of these scenarios that, you know, had an effect or had a potential effect on the race were both, you know, essentially deemed okay in the in the eyes of NASCAR, so that kind of again you know opens up the door of is it now okay to intentionally turn somebody because apparently in this case it was so um kind of a slippery slope really if you think about what we might see and that's why jay's absolutely right when he says this may not be over you know in terms of these precedents being set moving on down the line you know these two particular scenarios might be closed but as far as the actions that they did you know, teams might say, okay, it's acceptable to do this now. And, um, you know, 
you have to, the only thing you can really hope for from NASCAR is consistency. And unfortunately we just don't see that. And I think sometimes it's because of the people making the decisions, people that made the decisions seven years ago, aren't necessarily the same ones making the decisions today. So, you know, it's hard to, I guess in that case, it's hard to be consistent, but you'd think there would be some guidance to go by that would, that would help with the decision-making, but it's frustrating as fans because when something happens, you expect a penalty or you expect a non-penalty depending on what the situation might be. And then you're just totally blown blown away when, when things you know don't go the way you think they're going to go. So, um, yeah, hopefully this doesn't become a thing because it's really not a fun topic um, to have to talk about because it, it's controversy. And, you know, here we are talking about a, a big controversy, you know, the week into the championship. And, and like I said earlier, you really don't want that to be the topic going into the, the final weekend of the year. Exactly. But I feel like they've muddied the waters, Jay. What do you think? Really, really, really bad. And I got there's so many things in my head right now, and I'll try to be brief to each point. But uh, first off, again, you go back to the pulling Brian Vickers down pit road and not doing anything. They never said why they brought him down pit road. They didn't say we pulled him down here to give a position to a teammate. They could have said, hey, we thought something was wrong with the car. We thought this, okay? There was never any definitive. There is audio mm-hmm. of them telling Eric Jones not to pass that driver. And he clearly had the car that he was to the bumper and bumping him, trying to get past him, and then all of a sudden wasn't. So I, I really don't understand how anybody cannot see it as such and how NASCAR didn't make that call. Um, talking about the, the Kevin Harvick. Uh, situation. I know Kyle's not happy with it. I get that, but that's been, whether it's a race victory or a victory or not, especially into the playoffs. I go back to Kyle Larson and Ryan Newman at Phoenix, Joey Logano and Martin Truex at at uh, Martinsville. And that, those are to mm-hmm. get to the championship uh, when you talk about just winning a race. In this case, it wasn't to try and win the race. Um, it was for the championship. But we've seen that, and that goes as far back as Dale Earnhardt at knocking Terry Labonte out of the out of the way to get to victory lane at Bristol. So that's not a not a. I'm not saying it's a favorite and condoned, but has never been an issue of hey, we're going to penalize for that. That's between y'all. You know, if you choose to race that way, you're going to get your payback. You know, uh, so be it. Um, and we've seen that happen. But. That I don't th- I don't see where now, like I said, I understand where Kyle Busch isn't happy. Uh, I get that, and Harvick said, hey, I know he's not going to be happy, but that was my one and only shot, and it clearly was intentional because he had the bottom lane and was starting to slide back and not going to make it, and he turned up. <laughs> so Well, he said um, it was intentional. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said, and he said, hey, I know Kyle's going to be, ma- be mad, but that was my shot. So, you know, with the, with the whole SHR team, there, I don't understand how that one is going to be even possibly considered as, as questionable, being that, again, they just said, hey, Harvick is one point out. He's behind you. Okay, that's just information. I mean, mm-hmm. really. So I, I don't see where you could even question that. There well, they would was, be. A, well, a, I, I think they were. I, I wasn't questioning it. I think they were just saying. Um, they were saying they were, they were they implied. Felt were the rules. Right. 
they were implying, hey, if he gets by you, he's in. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't mm-hmm. your arm itch? Whatever. <laughs> um, but they were saying so, on yeah. the positive and, side of the rule, and the other guys, I feel, were were kind of playing with that edge of the envelope on the wrong side. To me, to, me, to me, the other two situations we're talking about, you can't prove anything. This is proven. They said, do not pass the 11. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. You don't have to prove it. It's it's there. The audio is there. And he didn't. And going back to that, Clint Boyer was told, hey, Harvick needs one position. He's one point out. Boyer didn't pull over. He's been through that. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't do it. Jones did not pass like instructed. I, I tried to move on from that one because, yeah, I, I am seriously disappointed in this. Um the third thing there that got, kind of got tossed around, the, the whole Denny Hamlin being showed favoritism. Once, it, uh, Sharon, you'll have to repeat it and clear it up, but once is an accident, twice is coincidence, third time <laughs> there's a trend. You know, I, I don't know exactly it's how you put it, but it's a habit, okay? NASCAR is bordering on that. It's a habit. And I think back to it of you got Denny Hamlin, even against Kevin Harvick, in this case more more publicity because he's coming in as, as a car owner, but – Denny Hamlin versus Eric Jones. We can tell Eric Jones to pull over. Nobody told Kyle Busch, hey, if Truex gets by you, he's in the championship. You just get a win for the year. Okay, because they're both top stars. Going back to the Clint Boyer deal back with Michael Waltrip racing back uh, in whatever year it was, you had Clint Boyer and the the MWR team versus Jeff Gordon is the one that was going to be cut out. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're talking about star power here when you're looking at which side they're, they're falling on, and I don't like that. I, you know, you've, you've heard me say that before. I don't care if it's Chase Elliott, the one flipping somebody off. If flipping somebody off is wrong in a bad public image, they ought to be fine. It doesn't say the rule is for these drivers that are 25th in points or below, or if you're a top 10 driver, it doesn't apply. That, I, just, I disagree with that. Next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike, your turn. Well, I guess I'm next then. Um, we got a lot to unpack on this one. First off, I want to say that NASCAR owns a bit of this. They are not some sort of a neutral arbiter. Oh, look what's, so, look what's happening right now. They wanted this. They brought this in on the series, and they wanted every bit of this to happen. You know, they, they created this elimination playoff format with the express intention of putting drivers and teams under immense pressure, making them do – desperate things and and playing it up and if you don't believe me look at the commercials so mm-hmm. nascar shouldn't act surprised when teams that they put into desperate situations do desperate things on the racetrack and i think there needs to be a little bit of discretion involved in that when desperate things happen on the racetrack with teams who are in desperate positions um so with regard to harvick wrecking kyle bush I was desperate to advance. I've got more on Kevin Harvick. We'll bring it up in another hot topic. But Kevin Harvick was put in a position of desperation. What did he do? He wrecked Kyle Busch. Didn't work out for him, but he did it. Denny Hamlin was put in a position of desperation. Joe Gibbs Racing was in desperation mode. What did they do? They utilized one of the resources at their advantage, namely another car on their team, in order to help the team that was in a desperate position trying to advance into the championship. That is the product of the format that we're in right now for the championship, like it or not. Going back to the previous format where you had a total season champion, 
Yeah, maybe you didn't have the kind of desperation moves, and maybe you didn't have the kind of shenanigans. Maybe you'd have, you know, if it was close, you know, a guy just needed, he needed to not finish last. There'd be some random car that would just show up and start and park. But that was about as far as it went, as far as the shenanigans stuff goes. But NASCAR wanted to play it up for TV ratings and the entertainment value. And, you know, hardcore, diehard race fans, they don't like to admit it, but in a lot of ways, NASCAR is entertainment, and it's a show. And sometimes the entertainment and show value might take priority over the integrity of the competition. It's just the way it is sometimes. It's unfortunate maybe, but it's just something we have to look at from an objective standpoint and realize, yeah, they put the, the format in position the way it is because they wanted the kind of drama that drives those TV ratings, drives advertisement dollars, grows the business, and grows the sport. And I don't think there's really anything inherently wrong with that either. Well, if you like WWE, I would agree with you. Uh, it's a it's a it's a manipulated show. Uh, it's a manipulated sport, and I hate to think that NASCAR is developing into a WWE entertainment franchise. Um, there's integrity that's involved here. Everybody knows that WWE is staged and. You know, everybody buys into all of that hype. But when it comes to NASCAR, I know there's, and and I've written articles about this. I have to go back and take it, probably back when Michael Waltrip happened, uh, about integrity and how important integrity is in sports. Because we're role modeling for the next generation what is the right way to handle yourself in competitive sports and i i truly believe that if we are headed in that direction that we accept um manipulation of an outcome like this and and i've i've thought about this too it's become such a culture within nascar uh the push in the envelope uh if you're not cheating you're not trying that's all culturally ingrained within NASCAR, and I thought NASCAR was trying to get away from that. I, I thought NASCAR was moving in a direction that they were getting away from that questionable integrity of our sport. To me, if, if they're doing what you're talking about, Mike, they're not doing that. They're, they're perpetuating a cultural um, a cultural acceptance of cheating, and I'm not in favor of that. I don't. I don't want NASCAR to become a WWE sport. If I if if I liked that, I would watch WWE. I don't <laughs> watch that. So, and I'm not taken away from anybody who does watch it, but it's just not what I'm looking for in the sport that I want to get behind and support. So. I I I just think it's going the wrong direction if that's the direction that we're going in. I I think I want I want my kids, my grandkids to be able to look up to people who win championships and say that they did it without any kind of uh cheating. <laughs> and and NASCAR is just muddied the waters when it comes to that. Uh, by saying that, okay, we're going to let this go by. And and I think they further muddied the waters uh, 
with the two violations for Harvick, I mean for Hamlin, uh, and letting those kind of slip by, uh, and and saying that there's differences when when you look at it, there really isn't any difference, <laughs> and I, 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 it, it that scares me, Mike. It really scares me. It's not it's not the direction that I think this sport should go in, and um, and where I I really thought NASCAR was trying to right the ship, if you will, and get away from that cultural image. Uh, it's it's not our right to cheat. <laughs> it's just not. So I don't know. I guess we'll let that be the final words, but um, and we'll move on to the next topic. So, Andy, you're up. Is there another topic to talk about? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um Oh, certainly a big one right there. Absolutely. Um, I think we should talk about, you know, the four drivers who made it and the four who didn't. Um, you know, I, I when you look at the four who didn't make it, you've got uh, Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and Kevin Harvick. I mean, certainly Harvick is huge for not making it. And then the four who did make it, I think you could all reasonably say, uh, had a great chance to make it there, and Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and uh, Denny Hamlin. So thoughts on that? Okay, Jay. Well, just to throw something out for for to to back up what I, what I was saying and, and not have my integrity question. What Mike was talking about happened to be Jeff Gordon, and Hendrick started that extra car and told him to park for five laps. And as big okay. a Jeff Gordon fan as I was, I absolutely hated that as well. Like I said, I don't, I don't show favoritism. I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about, though, the ones that are, are into the, the championship four, I feel like three of them earned their way into it. Uh, I am not, not happy with this in, in its entirety. At this point, I still kind of have a favorite. Um, but there is one I am now obviously not in, in favor of. I, I as Sharon has put it, of, of you, you don't feel you respect a champion that, that got in by certain ways, and, and I don't – I hope that he doesn't win it. I, I really do. Um, that's kind of the position I'm in. With the ones that didn't, I mean, we've seen it. Uh, Harvick, um, Kurt Busch, and Alex Bowman, they were in that have-to-win situation, and they were up there and battled. So racing your way in, I think that this is – and I, I got this as, as another uh, completely separate topic, so I don't want to tread too far into that, but I, I feel like uh, any one of the ones there, even even uh, Truex, um, another one, had he he raced his way into one of those two, he was points out and he had to win, uh, gave it his shot. So uh, I like the way this system is set up, and like I said, I got that as another topic, so I'll hold off on that. But I don't think there was a bad four to get in. It's a matter of how they got in. Okay. Uh, Mike? I'm going to, okay, once again, I'm going to have to disagree with Jay. I know he's talking about Denny Hamlin, and I know he's upset about the circumstance regarding the 20 car and what he may or may not have done in order to help Denny Hamlin get into the championship for. But that said, you can't look at the season that Denny Hamlin has had with the number of wins that he's had, the top fives, the top tens, last led, you can't look at a season like that and say Denny Hamlin isn't one of the four very best drivers that we've seen in the series this year. He, aside from the four car and maybe the nine car, Denny Hamlin has been 
the best driver consistently throughout the season from start to finish, winning the Daytona 500 and seven more, six or seven more races in between. Denny Hamlin has been an outstanding uh, performer this year, and I think he is well-deserving of a championship for birth. Circumstances at Martinsville notwithstanding, however you want to look at it. As far as the other three, uh, I think all deserving. Uh, obviously, Joey Logano won his way in early in the round. I don't know that too many people had him picked to go through to Phoenix, uh, but then he won at Kansas, and, well, that's, that's it. That's, that's how the format goes. Um, so I would say of the four that are in the final round, the championship four round, I think Joey Logano is probably the biggest surprise for him being in. And, of course, Kevin Harvick being the biggest surprise out. Uh, I think in the history of the, the knockout playoff format, I think we had the strongest final eight that we've ever had. Uh, I think any one of those eight drivers, we had five former champions in there, three of which got eliminated. Um, and we had a couple guys or three guys looking to have their first championship. And now we're down to two. We've got two uh, defend, or two previous champions and two guys looking to earn their first championship. I think it's a compelling story. Um, I have not been a huge fan of Phoenix being the final race to decide the championship for the season, but please, please, NASCAR, whatever you do, please never, ever, ever, ever change Martinsville from being the last race to decide who goes to that championship race, wherever it may be. Okay. I, I do agree that this was probably the strongest final eight that we've had uh, in a while. And, we knew somebody was going to have their feelings hurt coming out of Martinsville. We knew that was going to happen. Um, Denny Hamlin has had a great year. Kevin Harvick had a great year. Uh, Kevin Harvick had a better year in a lot of respects than Denny Hamlin. He's not in the playoffs. So it happens sometimes. Uh, a lot of us were saying what's happened to Denny Hamlin because he's not had a good, as good a playoffs. Has he won during the playoffs? He's not as good a player. Yeah, he won, as he he won Talladega. Season. Okay, so he's, he's won one race. Um, so a lot of us were wondering yeah, what Talladega. happened. And rem- is that the race that he went below the yellow line? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so okay, so that's questionable. So here's here's the thing. Sometimes the better driver during the regular season, and we've talked about this, it's really hard to sustain that momentum for an entire year. Sometimes the best basketball team doesn't make it to the finals. Sometimes the best football team doesn't make it to their finals. It happens in all of sports that sometimes these guys don't make it. Here's the difference between Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick this year is uh, Denny Hamlin's been get, given a couple of wave-offs, <laughs> a couple of free passes. Um, Kevin Harvick wasn't given those free passes this year. So there, there is a difference there. Um, I, I do feel that uh, Kevin Harvick is the biggest surprise. I, I think Kyle Busch is a big surprise all year long, that just three races to the end he gets his first victory. Um so that's a huge surprise. He's the defending champion. Uh, I, I, at the beginning of the year when we were talking about this at Daytona, uh, you know, all of us would have expected Kyle Busch to be in that Final Four come to Phoenix. Uh, it didn't happen this year for a lot of different reasons. Um, so 
I, I think that that uh, you know Alex Bowman had a great year. I don't want to take anything away from Alex Bowman. I we've got a lot to look forward to with him, but. Yeah, those are the bottom four, and I think there's a lot of surprises there. But it's a strong round of eight. We had a lot of really good drivers in that group. The four drivers that are in there, yeah, I'm with Jay on this one. I think Denny Hamlin, you got to say, he's been given a couple of free passes. That's the only reason he's in there. He was so close to not making it, just like Harvick was so close to not making it. And he got a free pass a second time during the playoffs. Um, uh, Brad Keselowski right now, I think, is one of the favorites, uh, along with Chase Elliott, to be able to win the championship at the end. And I think the reason they're choosing those two, well, Chase Elliott's the most popular driver in the sport. Uh, Brad Keselowski isn't Joey Logano, and he's not Denny Hamlin. And so that gives him the the, the advantage uh, of being a championship that people can kind of get around. And he's had the momentum in the latter part of the season uh, that the other other drivers uh, had early in the season, uh, and not as strong at the end. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, uh, there's a lot of different ways to look at this, and I know we're going to look at it 60 ways to Sunday. So. Uh, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think for me, um, obviously Harvick not making the final four is a huge deal. Um, you know, I think everyone had him pretty much penciled into making the final four. Um, but you know, that's the format that NASCAR's created. It's a playoff format mm-hmm. that is similar in style to other major sports, and you made you made a really good point, Sharon, in that, you know, we've seen time and time again where, and I had this argument today with fellow racing fans who were kind of up in arms over it, but I made the point that, you know, the number one seeded NFL team might not make it to the Super Bowl. Same thing with baseball and the World Series. Uh, and that's exactly what we've seen here. The number one seeded cup team, if you will, didn't get the job done. And And the fact is, you know, they had – the same number of races as everyone else did to accumulate enough points Mm -hmm. to get themselves in a position to make Phoenix. And they had a a difficult round of eight and it put him in the position they were in. So um, it's just the format we live by now. It's an elimination style playoff format that creates drama and excitement. And that's exactly what we got. And I know it is a, it is a shame that a team that can win nine races and be the dominant team all season long doesn't go for a championship. But those are the rules that we live by right now. And ultimately it just didn't get the job done. That's really what it comes down to. Um, So to me, that was a huge surprise. I I think that, um, like I said, anyone would have reasonably expected that team to make it as far as the, uh, the four who did make it. None of them really shock me. I think everyone could have easily penciled those drivers in, um, you know, to the final four. No real surprise there. Hard to make a prediction as to who I think will be the clear-cut favorite. If I had to say today, I'd go with Kozlowski just based on his previous success on the flat short tracks with the 750 package this year. In fact, they are bringing the car that won Loudon in Richmond earlier this year, so it's going to be tough to beat those guys. Um 
So if I have to pick one, it's him. But I think any one of those four have a great chance at it. So uh, no surprise in terms of the final four. And uh, certainly we'll, we'll see who gets it done. Okay, Jay. Yeah, I look, I look back at, uh, you know, this setup the way it was. Uh, William Byron in the Truck Series Championship uh, had everything going his way, race to the cutoff race, blows a motor, doesn't get in, comes back and wins that final race. So you know had he gotten in, he would have been the champion because he came back and won that next race that, that was the final race. So it is, and we look at it, at one point during this Martinsville race, and this backs up what Mike's saying, is NASCAR did a great job. Uh, on the other side, I don't like what they did with the, with the decision, but their schedule. Martinsville has the cutoff race. At one point, it was Keselowski and Hamlin that were both up by one point, mm-hmm. and then Harvick. But Keselowski raced and passed the cars he needed to get the gap he That's needed. Right. He didn't get no favors. He didn't get nothing. He raced his way past cars in order to make sure he was the one not on that line between him and Hamlin. But at one point during that race, those three, any one of them was out by, or in by one point. So you can't ask for anything better there. And I think I'm up next on the topic. So I, I'm still going to hold off on the rest of what I got to say there. <laughs> okay. Mike? I'm going to go after this Harvick thing head on here. And I, I may or may not end up stealing some of Jay's thunder. But, you know, everyone talks about, well, you know, Kevin Harvick was a foregone conclusion for Phoenix. Kevin Harvick, you know, everyone's shocked he didn't make it into Phoenix. Well, they came into Martinsville 42 points above the cut line, 42 points. So it should have been a foregone conclusion. All they had to do was run reasonably well. They didn't have to win. They didn't even have to, to really to knock them dead. A couple stage points here and there, we wouldn't be having any of this discussion. The reason Kevin Harvick is not in the championship four is because the four team rolled a dud off the trailer. They came into Martinsville looking ahead to Phoenix, and it cost them. They brought a car that was not prepared for the race. They spent most of the race in the back because they cut a tire down early racing cars that they should have been faster than to begin with, and they paid the price. So, you know, we can talk all one point here, one point there. This guy shouldn't have let the other guy go and whatnot. But really, the the blame uh, for Kevin Harvick and the four team missing the championship four is squarely and exclusively on them. It's not the format. It's not the other teams. It's not NASCAR in general. It's not rules enforcement. It is the lack of preparation and execution at Martinsville by the, uh, the number four team. So in that respect, Kevin Harvick has had an outstanding season, and nothing can take away from that. He has not been the strongest driver in the playoffs. Um, that goes to Chase Elliott. If you look at the points applied to the, uh, the previous chance, uh, championship chase format, where it was just the final 10 races, Chase Elliott would already be in just doesn't need to have a bad day territory, and he would clinch the championship at Phoenix. Uh, Chase Elliott leads in the uh, the format for the first chase from the 2004 to 2009 season, as well as the 2010 to 2013 format where they expanded the field. So numerically, Chase Elliott has had the strongest performance in the playoffs this year, bar none. And the four team of Kevin Harvick, while they did get a couple wins early in the playoffs, they have not been as strong in the playoffs as they were in the regular season. And I think that finally came to a head at Martinsville where they were not prepared and they maybe took a few things for granted that they shouldn't have. And now they find themselves on the outside looking in. Okay. Well, I agree with you. Kevin Harvick did not have the car to go out there and win at Martinsville. And they knew that. 
and they knew that they were going to have to fight every inch of the way uh, for every position. He just didn't have the car that he needed to have at Martinsville, um, and and uh, I 100% agree with you there. But that being said, there were still situations that happened <laughs> that kept him out of the playoffs. I don't think Kevin Harvick – well, he, he's a lot of people think Kevin Harvick is really good at Phoenix, but with the new configuration, he hasn't been as good at Phoenix. Um, I don't know that I would have necessarily pulled for Kevin Harvick even at Phoenix uh, because I think that Brad Keselowski is probably a little bit better than he is at that track at this point. But um, you're right. He did not have a good car uh, to race at Martinsville. But it does not change the fact that these other situations did, in fact, happen, and they're very clear-cut. So um, that, none of that changes. So uh, I do think that um, uh, these guys are, are going to put on a good show at Phoenix. It's going to be interesting. I think Chase Elliott has had a, a really good season, and he's been good in the playoffs. So I, there's a good reason why he's one of the favorites going into Phoenix this weekend. Um, and it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and like I say, I, I'm with Jay. I think there's only one driver. And it, it's kind of sad because I really feel like in a lot of ways Denny Hamlin has turned the corner uh, from an emotional point of view that has kind of kept him from winning championships in the past. I really thought maybe this year was going to be his year. Um, and and I don't know. I, I, I think it's great that he's starting a new team. I, I think all of that's really good. I just don't like the fact that NASCAR's given him a couple passes here that in other situations they penalized <laughs> the guys for. So, uh, and for some reason, he's the Teflon guy this year, and NASCAR's not going to touch him. So it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see what happens if he does win the championship because I think a lot of people may not get all behind it uh, for the reasons that we've outlined here tonight. So uh, in a way, I hope he doesn't because I don't even want to go there <laughs> uh, if he wins that championship. But we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, I, I would I can get behind a driver like Brad Keselowski at this point and Chase Elliott because they have performed on the track and done really well during this uh, playoff. So we'll see what happens. Jay, you're up for the next topic. All right. Well, it, it falls in line with that. Uh, Mike did have some oh, of the second. stuff wait there that, that I want. Hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. I got to back up yep. here. Andy, you get the final comments on that topic. Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty much um, what's already been said. But you know, the fact is that the four team, you know, showed up at Martinsville and didn't perform and, and didn't get the job done, and that's why they missed out in the final four. So, really, not much else to add. I think we've all kind of covered that one. Um, you know, but it's a really good final four, and it's going to be exciting because I, I don't think you can really pick a clear-cut favorite. Um, I think any one of them can get the job done. And, uh, you know, like I, like I said, and you agree, Sharon, that, you know, you kind of have to give an early look to the two-car, but, you know, wouldn't surprise me if the other three went out there and won. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how it uh, turns out. <laughs> 
Yeah, I really think any any one of those four could win. Okay, so Jay, I'm sorry, I had to cut you off there, but I left no, Andy out. Um, oh, hold on one second. Okay, mom throws this in there on my messenger. I don't think it's in the group one. No problem. Hamlin is not going to win triple four or five exclamation points. So, mom's <laughs> of the same opinion I am. Let's throw that out there. Um, now pull this back up. Okay, uh, Mike talked a little bit about this, and yes, uh, this situation isn't necessarily what cost Harvick the championship because their performance is what put them in that position. There's a lot of talk on Twitter specifically, I know, of whether or not the point system needs to be changed. And I think Mike was looking at the same chart I was looking at. You go back to the only way right now Harvick would be leading the points or in, whoops, closed it, is if we were going under the full season of race points. From 04 to 06, he would have been third in seeding. Seven to 10, he would have been fifth. 10 to thir- or 11 to 13, he would have been fifth. 14 to 16, he would have been sixth. And 17 to 20, he would be fifth, which would be on the outside. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that one point could have been made up anywhere in the playoffs throughout. So um, take uh, thoughts on that before I give mine. Okay, Mike, you're up. Well, that's kind of what I was saying in the, the previous point was, all Kevin Harvick had to do was finish fifth in one stage. That would have given him six points. And now he doesn't need to take a swipe at Kyle Busch on the last lap. He doesn't spin himself out into the fence. He's got six points in his pocket. He advances, and either Denny Hamlin or Brad Keselowski go home. And that's just not what happened because the four teams didn't get any points throughout the race. So I think it's indicative of their broader performance throughout the playoffs, which has not been as strong and as consistent as their performance prior to the playoffs beginning and really through the first round of the playoffs because Harvick did win two out of the first three playoff races. But after that first round, I think there's been a noticeable and sharp drop in the performance of the four team. And that really played out at Martinsville and to, you know, the results speak for themselves because of that. Okay. Um, You know, I have to agree. I I think that, um, Harvick's performance is the reason he's not there. But go back and and reiterate what your point is, because after listening to Mike, I'm not sure I understand what your point is, (laughs) Jay. Well, there are a lot of people screaming that the the point system ought to be changed because a driver like Kevin Harvick, who has had the great season he had, is not in the final four. Not necessarily even win the championship, but not even in the final four. So does the point system need to be changed? No. I, I don't think that the point system needs to be changed because uh, I, I think that the uh, playoff format has been a good format for the most part. I don't like uh, this. This I understand there's tension. I don't like the way sometimes the drivers respond to the tension. I get why they respond that way, uh, but I just don't like it sometimes, like Kevin Harvick spinning out. Uh, Kyle Busch on purpose That's not acceptable in my book Uh, I don't think that's the way To go after a championship I want to see somebody Who is using their talent To go after a championship So um, I wish the drivers Would mature a little bit more I thought we were kind of headed in that way With some of these guys But again that pressure and that tension Has kind of uh, Caused some of these guys to snap If you will 
uh, in situations that, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, but again, NASCAR's made it acceptable to bump and run now. So, God, I don't even know what to think anymore. Um, but I, I do think that the points system, the way it is now, should stay the way it is. Now, Sal brought up that he feels like maybe there should have been given some consideration um, uh, for a previous champion, uh, or in Kevin's case, he was the season champion, uh, and that he should have been given some consideration to get into the Final Four because he was the regular season champion. Uh, And you brought up a good example. You brought up... um, a driver that that happened to, and I'm going to say it, same thing happened to oh, William Byron uh, didn't make it, uh, or he went on to win. But um, Grant Infinger lost an engine last year and was the regular season champion. He was out in the first round uh, and didn't make it in to the next round. Uh, should consideration be given? My thought is no, we should not give consideration uh, unless they can win throughout the, the playoffs. Uh, but, no, I think the points are fine the way they are. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yep, 100% agree with you, Sharon. There's no issue with the, the point system the way it is. NASCAR wanted an elimination-style playoff system, and that's exactly what we have. And much like other sports, like I said earlier in the show, Sometimes the absolute best teams don't make it to the championship and don't necess- or don't win the championship because they didn't perform well enough when it mattered most, and that's exactly what happened here with the four team. Um, this is a you know a playoff style, uh, the way it's set up to where you have to perform in those those game seven moments, right? And, and mm-hmm. unfortunately for the four team, you know Martinsville was that game seven moment to try to make it you know whatever you know maybe that's not a great analogy but the point is that you know they had a chance to go out at Martinsville with the points cushion that they had and like Mike said simply have a Uh, not even a stellar day Sharon needs to interrupt you oh yeah go ahead sorry (laughs) thank you Jay Um, (laughs) good work (laughs) we're at that point I thought he hated interruptions In case um, we we have any new listeners that are tuning in tonight, we like to give you a heads up that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. However, we do continue recording the rest of the show so you can hear the rest of the conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So all you have to do is I'll go out on Twitter and let you know that the podcast is now available just fast forward to the two-hour mark when, when it's downloaded, and you'll be able to hear the rest of the conversation. So, again, we just alert you so that uh, if we go up there mid-sentence, you know that, that, that uh, the rest of that conversation is being recorded, and you will be able to hear the rest of that conversation. So with that, uh, Andy, go ahead and finish out your thought there. That's pretty much it. I, I, I think to cap it off that we don't need to go changing our point scenarios or, or point systems because a particular driver didn't perform well enough to make the final four. Is it a shame that someone can win nine races and, and be the, the dominant team all season, not make the final four? Sure it is. But at the same time, the way the playoff format is set up, you have to be able to perform through all three rounds 
And, and the fact is, with the points cushion that some of these teams had, they could pretty much coast. But when you get to that round of eight, you have to go out there and perform. There's no cushion anymore. Mm-hmm. And we saw that come to fruition at Martinsville this past weekend. So um, there's really nobody to blame but themselves. I don't think that we need to go out and change the point systems just because a particular fan base is upset. And I know based on what Mike and I saw last night, there was a lot of upset Harvick fans who were upset at the point system and thought that his two teammates should just pull over and let him by, which is all completely delusional and absurd in my opinion. Um, the fact is the four team didn't get it done and that's nobody's fault other than their own and they'll live to race uh, a new season next year. That's really all there is to say. <laughs> okay, Jay. Uh, okay, but the que- the question was does NASCAR need to change the point system and my answer is no. Beep, beep. That's no. right. Uh, <laughs> we, sh- and I think this is one of the four nights that unfortunately Sharon and I had this discussion alone when it came to that of did NASCAR need to do something different with the points to prevent teams from building up such a point lead that they could coast in. And we all, and I say everybody, all the, the, the analysts on TV, on radio, penciling or almost black permanent ink putting Harvick and Hamlin in. And it didn't happen. Hamlin was just as close, obviously. So yep. uh, his lack of performance happened uh, a little bit earlier in the round um, where he came in only the 20 points above. So I like the fact that it came down to where they might not possibly get in. Am I disappointed that Harvick didn't based on his year? Yes. Hamlin had had such a good year as well. So I would have been for him as well had the situation not developed the way it did. But that's what, that's what it was designed to do. Uh, New England Patriots went 18-0 and into the Super Bowl. Did they win the Super Bowl? Nope. You've got to. Uh, I'm trying to think, and I don't know where I saw it. In order to win and have that Game 7 moment, you've got to get to Game 7. So, um, mm-hmm. something else I got here. Oh, two more things here. Uh, I guess you said Sal is the one that mentioned um, a concession as far as regular season champion or previous champion or whatever to put mm-hmm. in uh, Kevin Harvick in. Uh, I think of Dave Moody. I listened to him on Sirius XM radio, and this has been for years, uh, going back to even when they put the wild card in. How many chances do you want to, to want to give him? He's had 35 races to get that one point. Exactly. What more concession are you trying to give him? <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't, don't agree with that either. Um, but it, it's so true. Like I said, this, this race, this, that one point, Yes, cost them the shot at the, at the final four, but they put themselves in that position. And, yeah, they gave away 42 points uh, in this one race. Uh, Hamlin was in that position where he had lost part of it already because he was up there quite a chunk as well, but he had already had his mulligan, if you will, or whatever, and had lost that. Harvick lost it all in one, unfortunately. And, and so, no, from that, from that standpoint, I am not disappointed with him not getting in, even though he had such a great year. Uh, the other thing is, and like I said, and this is one where Sharon and I have a, a difference of opinion, but had Harvick gotten by Kyle Busch in this situation, I would not have been as happy to have him in as either because that would not have been a bump and run. That would have been a dump and run. Uh, again, mm-hmm. if I can describe it via words, he was alongside of him. Kyle was pulling away. 
he turned up and right into him to spin him out. He did not nudge him going into the corner trying to get him up loose and out. Okay, so that would have been a dump and run, and I am not in favor of that. The bump and run, nudge him and then get by him or whatever, I'm okay with. But there is a line of pure outright, and you saw it. He turned right. I mean, yep. that was absolute last ditch. I got nothing else. The the bump and run, the nudge, and, you know, kind of be like, hey, I'm here, and I'm going to make a hole. Yeah, I'm not saying it's 100% the best way, but uh, especially at a track at Martinsville, that's kind of how you have to make a pass, you know, with it being a bottom groove track. Or we saw Chase Elliott adjust the way he was doing his line and cutting underneath them and getting alongside of them down the straightaway. So what we saw from Chase Elliott, excellent way to go about it. He didn't use the bumper. He used the track and just cut the cra- cut the track differently. So had Harvick made it in, if it had been so about getting by Kyle Busch that way, I would not have been in favor of Harvick being the one in because that would have been, like I said, a, a true dump and run, um, which I'm not in favor just of. Just for the, the record. bump and run I'm okay with. Yeah. Just for the record, I do agree with you on that. <laughs> well, and I know you're not a big fan of the bump and run either, but like I said, that's at least marginal. The dump and run, yeah, I'm not in favor of an outright wrecking mm-hmm. running over uh, full throttle, uh, which that would have been. So um, those were the three that I had with it, and like I said, I I think I beat myself So uh, with my answer to the no, but a few words in front of that no. Uh, like I said, I'm actually, when we talked about it the other the other week, kind of felt like, yeah, these guys have got that free ride, and it turns out they didn't. So I think the, the system is working. Okay, Mike. Well, Jay sounds like he's been listening to Radioactive from Fox Sports there. Um, and I agree with him. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Jay on this one. I think they need All to right, leave the three point. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's better than nothing. That's a solid 33%. Um, but, yeah, I NASCAR needs to leave the points format alone. Uh, they've been messing with it and changing it and tweaking it. And while, you know, this one guy didn't get, get in, so we're going to change it again. We're going to add a wild card and we're going to do this. We're going to do that. They need to have some consistency in the point system, at least for a little while, or else you're going to have just this growing criticism that's already pretty strong where NASCAR, the only consistency in NASCAR is inconsistency, and that's not very healthy for the sport either. Um, to Sharon's point about them giving consideration to the regular season champion, they do. Kevin Harvick got 15 extra playoff points for being the regular season champion. Mm-hmm. That's the playoff point equivalent of winning three additional races. So he did get some consideration as the regular season champion, and it still wasn't enough. So kind of like what Jay said, if, uh, relaying from Dave Moody, how many more chances and mulligans and passes and whatever do you want to give a guy before it becomes you just, you know, you you can box up the trophy and just FedEx it to his house and call it a day. I mean, at some point you have to have some level of competition in there. And if there's not an opportunity for somebody to blow it, like Kevin Harvick and the 14 did, if they can't blow it, it's not a competition at this point. So there's got to be some element of risk involved in there or else you're not really having a compelling sport. Now you're at the WWE level of scripted performance entertainment versus a competitive professional sport. Well, just for the record, again, uh, Sal brought that up earlier in the show, and I was just bringing it up as on his behalf. Um, yeah, I agree. No, no points change. Keep it the way it is for all the reasons that we brought up here. I like it the way it is. Uh, my only thing is the maturity level of the drivers in those clutch moments and how they deal with that, because I am not a fan of the dump and run. 
never will be a fan of the dump and run. Uh, I think it takes no skill to dump and run. <laughs> and I don't want to crown a champion who dumps and runs. So um, let's just be clear on that because uh, last year when Kevin Harvick uh, had a number of uh, penalties, I was not in favor of him being the champion because of those penalties. I did not want to crown a champion who had pushed the envelope over the edge uh, all season long. So uh, I would not have uh, enjoyed watching him uh, move on into the Final Four having dumped and run on Kyle Busch uh, in order to make it. So uh, I just want to be clear. I am not a fan of that. I am not in favor of that. I never want to crown a champion in NASCAR that is uh, not playing by the rules, if you will. Uh, and I, I I stand really firm on that. So uh, no, no on the points change. Andy? Yeah, no real follow-up except that I agree. No no need to change the points. I think the format works. It creates the excitement and drama um, that we saw yesterday. I mean, that's exactly what NASCAR is looking for. And um, like I said, we don't have to change the format yet again just because a particular driver and his fan base is unhappy <laughs> with the result. Um, they had yeah. three opportunities to get the job done, and they didn't. So um, I think the format works. I think it creates excitement, and we move on. Okay, Jay, you get the final word on this one. No, 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 <laughs> no. And I'll put I'll put it out there for the record. Although I'm from Minnesota, I've been called a serious redneck because while talking NASCAR and watching it and be involved, I'm also watching Monday Night Raw, which is a WWE production. I watch that <laughs> for the entertainment value. Yes, okay. Other people watch The Bachelor or whatever their soap opera. Mine happens to be WWE and wrestling. Yes, I watch it. So, But NASCAR is a sport. It is a true competition, and that's you're right. I don't want to see them intermix. I watch one for this reason. I watch this one for that reason, and I don't want to see that line crossed. Okay. Mike, you're up for the next topic. So we've talked about it a lot uh, with regard to, you know, the potential for going to dead pit stops in the Xfinity and the truck series race. And I just want to highlight this weekend how pit road performance and some outstanding work on pit road and teamwork on pit road is what really made the difference in who advanced and who didn't advance to the championship for um, with the clutch play by Chase Elliott's pit crew to recognize the potential penalty and clear it. And whatever the opposite of clutch is for Martin Truex and the 19 crew leaving a wheel loose on the final pit stop of the race. Okay. I guess that makes me up next. Um, yeah, I thought that they did a great job. That, that crew member had the presence of mind to know he made a mistake and he knew exactly what he needed to do to correct it and save his team from getting that penalty. And I applaud him for that. I thought that was outstanding. I wonder, though, how many pit crew members knew that they could correct their mistake in that way. Because even the commentators were a little taken back by that. Uh, Steve Letarte, who was a crew chief, didn't know that you could do that that you could correct the mistake by going back and touching the wall or going back over the wall. Um, 
and they showed the the uh, the verbiage of the rule up on uh, Race Hub today. Um, so I really applaud those guys, and I think that by having uh, not having the pit crews involved uh, in a pressure situation and learning how to deal with that in the lower tier series is a huge, huge mistake and that we are going to suffer for it in the cup series in years to come as a result. I, I just think it's, it's, I understand why they're doing it. I, I get why they're doing it. It's a cost saving, uh, thing that they're doing and I get that, but I don't, uh, I don't think it's a good move. I think that there's other things that they could have looked at to to uh, save money other than uh, taking that away from these pit crews and the development of the pit crews. Because a lot of guys, they, they start in the truck series and they move up uh, into, just like the drivers, they move up into uh, these upper tier series. So I think it's a mistake uh, that they're doing that. Uh, and I applaud uh, these guys that that did it right, and you're right. Uh, the guy that didn't get those lug nuts on in a championship situation, and the, it's one of it's a team sport. It's a pressure situation, and mistakes are going to happen because we're human. Um, but it, it's it's sad to see that happening to uh, the caliber of team that we know Martin Truex can can have around him. And uh, but but it happens, and it happened this weekend. So uh, these guys really need to, and I know they practice a lot. But in these situations, they've got to have people that can handle that pressure and be able to perform. So Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the element of a, of a pit crew really has a, a huge effect on the outcome of these cup or series races. And, and that's the whole team aspect. Um, it's mm-hmm. not just a driver. It's not just the, the men and women on the pit box. It's, it's the pit crew. It, it's the whole team dynamic. And if you take out the element of a pit crew and, and green flag pit stops and live pit stops, it really takes out a, a huge element of, of these races. And I think that it would be, you know, a huge step in the wrong direction if that's the trend that we see in the future. I know that they tried it for the non-companion events, I think once or twice this year for the truck series and the Xfinity series. And, and to that regard, you know, sure, it makes it makes sense from a cost standpoint to, to not fly in a, a secondary pit crew for those races. But I think for the most part, you've got to have a pit crew. You've got to have live pit stops because it's, it's a major element of these races. And, and like we saw yesterday, um, you know, just mastery work, you know, by the nine team, um, you know, and ultimately it saved their season, and that's what we have to see moving forward. Jay? Well, uh, the Chase Elliott thing I actually had as a hot topic, but from kind of a different aspect. My my concern was that people were going to scream that Chase Elliott as the fan favorite, uh, golden boy, however you want to refer to it, was given a pass. But the rules show that it wasn't. Whether the team, all the, everybody on the team knew it or not, uh, you know, mm-hmm. or, or everybody involved, it's no different than on if you go below the yellow line, come back up and give the position back that you got. You won't get penalized. Mm-hmm. You'll lose positions, but you won't get the penalty. So, and that was extremely heads up on 
the the crew, the team, whoever made that call, the the, the crew member that did it, recognized it and did it. You know, uh, it was very heads up on them and knowing the rules and being under pressure, acknowledging it and performing it and doing what he knew he had to do, even though they were under that crunch situation. So that was absolutely amazing on their on their part to know it, to perform it, uh, and not get get a, get a worse penalty. So uh, very well on them. And like I said, that one that NASCAR made the right call because they came back and the rules say, hey, if you fix what your mistake, you gained a position or you did this, you go back, you step back, you correct it. Um, as far as the pit crew thing, and I know when we had that discussion, yeah, I'm with Sharon. This is a, is a bad direction to be going in. Uh, for the, the two other series, I understand they're still the stepping stone to the premier level, but that was the, the step up to the top three national series. Uh, the other thing I throw in there is the whole one lug nut thing, because I'm not in favor of that either. Uh, from a safety aspect, we talked about a little bit the other night, as well as the overall performance uh, of a pit crew, which makes it a team sport. It's the number 19 team. It's the number nine team with the driver of so-and-so. So I, I don't like that they did direct their money-saving uh, issues in that direction, I know I talked to uh, to one driver. I don't know if y'all remember Mike Marler. Uh, got a couple of truck series starts. He was one that said, "Hey, if they do that, we can afford to go race." So I understand from the team and the money aspect of it, but again, it's the the team sport. So I, I'm not in favor of it all, at all. No. Okay, Mike. Yeah, I think we're all just kind of agreeing with each other at this point, where um, the the performance of the whole team, the over-the-wall team, as well as the drivers, it should be all considered as one unit in terms of the performance of the uh, of the car. Uh, and to try and strip away that element, it fundamentally re- it removes something that is, a, you know, it's, it's part of stock car racing. It's like trying to, to, to drive a race car with only three wheels attached to it. It's just something is really important, and it's missing. And I think that's what that that's what will happen if they try and take away these live pit stops from the lower tier series. In that, yeah, there's still going to be cars, they're still going to be racing on a racetrack, but there's going to be a fundamental element that's missing from there. And the performances that we saw this weekend from not just the nine and the nineteen teams, but up and down pit road, we saw teams gaining or losing positions on pit road, and we see it every single week. And the driver has something to do with it, you know, as far as getting into the box right, getting in, getting out, don't speed on pit road and, and whatnot. But as far as gaining and losing positions on pit road, that's where the team sport element of that comes into play. And to lose that is losing a fundamental and critical part of the competition of the sport. Yeah, you know, we talked to a lot of drivers from the Arca Menard Series and um, the Arca East and West, and those drivers, when they're making that jump from those series into the truck series, one of the hardest things for them to learn is the pit stop. You know, coming into pit road, exiting pit road, stopping in their box, the, the you know, knowing when to leave the box, that's all a learned skill for those drivers. It's also all of these pit crews that are also learning, uh, you know, by going through that process. So I think that it's not just going to affect the um, pit crews. I think it's also going to affect the drivers that are advancing through the uh, 
uh, truck series and the Xfinity series. And when they get to Cup, that's going to be the first time that they're going to go through a live pit stop, uh, and 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 they're learning that in a Cup car with all of these other very very experienced drivers. I'm going to relate it to what happened with Quinn Huff earlier this year, and I hate to call him out on that, but he made some rookie mistakes, and it really affected some of the drivers out there on the track. Um, That's what we're going to see happen, because these guys will have never done a live pit stop when they get to the Cup Series, and that is, I think, a huge, huge, huge mistake. So it's not just the development of the pit crews, it's the development of the drivers as well in learning how to do a pit stop and and uh the, you're 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 circumventing that that development curve so it, it, you're right we all agree uh i just think it's a huge huge mistake andy yeah i don't really have a lot of follow up other than I, I agree i think that um having not just the pit crews but like you said the ability to for the driver to learn how to make green flag pit stops is important for their development in the series, you know, or in stock car racing moving forward. So, um, yeah, I hope it's an element that we see stick around, not just Cup, but the lower series as well. Okay, Jay. Well, I look at it, you know, from the, from the crew side of it, developing them, I mean, we think about how many of the, the pit crew members that come from, from the, the lower tier series up to the Cup level. You can practice at the garage, uh, you know, as uh, as much as you want, which the the cup teams do. But they also then are performing under race conditions. You know, if if the Xfinity series and Truck series uh, go to this, I mean, I can honestly say, if you give me ten minutes to change a tire, or, you know, whatever, I can do that. If you got to give me ten minutes, ten minutes to get it done. So, where where's my development then as a crew member as well? Correct. Correct. I, uh, that's that's definitely missing in all of that. Okay, so let's go on to the next topic. I'm up next, but I'm going to acquiesce to Andy in case he has something he wants to bring up. Yeah, uh, Justin Allgaier will be back with JR Motorsports for the 2021 Xfinity season. Okay, Jay? Uh, not a surprise, um, you know, unless it was a possible retirement. Um Kind of again. I know it wasn't announced, but I don't see him going anywhere else in his career at this point. He's, he's shown that he's a annual championship contender. Got a real thing going there at Junior Motorsports, and I know they got some uh, new drivers coming in. And to have a team leader like that in the organization, I think is great and, and great for the future of that that organization as well as the Xfinity Series as a whole. Mike. Yeah, like Jay said, not really a surprise. And the other thing to add on to there, not only was it announced that Justin Allgaier will be returning, uh, but longtime sponsor Brandt, uh, the red and black mm-hmm. paint scheme that, uh, that Justin Allgaier runs, uh, they will also be returning for at least 20 races for the next season uh, with other sponsors to be announced. So not only is it good to see Justin Allgaier back in the seven car next year for Junior Motorsports, but to see that team continue to get strong sponsorship behind them is also really good to see. Yeah, I think it's a good move. I'm happy that he's uh, staying with Junior Motorsports and staying in the Xfinity Series. I was happy when he made the decision to come to the Xfinity Series. I think it's been a good fit for Justin Algauer, and I think he's a good role model uh, for some of these other uh, guys that may not be 
doing as well in the Cup Series as they maybe would like to be doing. I'd like to see some of those guys race either in the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series. And I think he set a really good example along with uh, uh, um, Elliot Sadler, who did that as well. Uh, I think those guys um, are are, uh, good role models for uh, those guys that may, might be considering that right now, I would encourage them to do it because they've they've gone out and really done well. And uh, so uh, again, I think it's a good move. I hope I hope we see more drivers do that. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a great move for him. Um, you know, I think all, the real logical move at this point in his career. I'm not sure that. You know, we'll see him move back to the Cup Series, um, and I think, you know, it allows him to be competitive, continue to win races, continue to fight for championships, just as he'll try to do this weekend. So it's a great move for him. Um, I think it's a great move for JR Motorsports to have him uh, with his veteran leadership at that team. When you consider, you know, the majority of his teammates are younger guys. I think Justin brings, you know, a sense of leadership to that team and, you know, found a really good home there. So um, good opportunity for him to uh, to stay competitive and stay a part of the sport. Okay, Jay. Did we lose Jay? No, I said I, said I got no follow-up to it. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Uh, then Mike, you're up next. Well, that's about all there is really to say about it. I look forward to uh, many years of success with uh, Justin Allgaier and JR Motorsports. I think it's a good fit. And uh, I think with the success that he's had there, he'll probably be able to drive for Dale Jr. as long as he wants to. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Andy, any other thoughts? Uh, No false set on that one. Okay. Uh, we're coming up on the top of the hour. I don't know if you've got a quick one, Jay, or anything more that you wanted to say. Uh, I do have something here, and I'll try and be brief with it. It's a good news, bad news, depending on who you are, but it is going into the championship weekend. So for our fantasy, fan for racing fantasy uh, points, overall, That's it. I'm hanging up. Andy has uh, – yeah. <laughs> bye, Mike. Um Andy leads at 417. I'm at 386. That the overall is between the two of us. I got to make up 10 points per race. Uh, it's not promising, but in the truck series, Andy is leading at 104. Sam and James are tied at 98. So that one is only a six-point battle between three people. The Xfinity series, Andy is up by three points over me. Uh, that one has come down to the two of us. And then on the cup side, this is one where it's going to be tough for you, Andy. I'm not going to let you sweep all of them. Uh, I have 183 points. You have 170, which means you need to pick the winner, and I have to have the last pick of zero points. So uh, the cup one is all but locked up for me if I don't blow a motor or lose a tire or something. <laughs> But you are in contention and battling and probably going to win at least two or three of the four. Well, I just have to be grateful for a good year. Jay's usually the one that kills us every single year. So glad I could make it interesting at least and uh, see how it goes this weekend. So definitely uh, it's always fun. It's such a 
such a crapshoot, really. I mean, it's just guesswork every week, and I guess I just got lucky this year. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, it's a funny how 36 races and it comes down to just a few points, just like it really does. It's uh, it's kind of funny how that works. Yep, it's been a lot of fun. And, Jay, thank you so much for uh, being our mm-hmm. commander-in-chief there and keeping us on track uh, for our fantasy uh, game with Van for Racing Crew. Uh, it, it's always a lot of fun, and we really, really enjoy it. Uh, Mike and I are kind of on the outside looking in at this point. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's so any Mike coincidence hung up. Mike hung up. the guy who runs. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I don't think it's any coincidence that the guy who runs the fantasy pool just happens to be leading. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to throw out a conspiracy theory or anything, but it's real suspicious. <laughs> Hey, I I have owned my own mistakes a couple of times, and and there have been a couple where uh, Andy, I know one on one, and uh, a couple other times it has been pointed out. I may I do make mistakes, and I have re-added points uh, several times this year, especially with uh, I couldn't even keep track of what track we were at, so that one I had to rewrite I think three times as far as the schedule. So <laughs> been a little bit tougher this year for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so with that, I think we're ready to do our roundtable, and uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Yeah, Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike underscore underscore O on Reddit. Come and downvote all my controversial opinions, and uh, have your way with my uh, with my postings over there. And uh, that's about it. Don't forget to get your votes in for not only the U.S. election, but even more importantly, the NASCAR most popular driver that's still open for the remainder of the week. Okay, and we do have an article coming out for you that you submitted today on Harvick, right? Commentary? Yeah, that's uh, that's correct. I wasn't going to preview it until you at least you know kind of said that it was something you would be interested in pushing. Uh, but yeah, I do have an article that is in the uh, in process, kind of analyzing the breakdown of the four team and uh, and a little bit of what we discussed tonight with regard to why the four team was eliminated. Okay. Uh, Let's go to um, Jay. All right. You can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And it's been a while, but and it's going to be cold, I get the feeling. But this weekend, be at Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway for the All-American 60, Friday and Saturday night. All right, Andy. Yeah, FHR 1498 fan on Twitter and uh, looking forward to being back Thursday night and hard to believe it's championship weekend already. So uh, looking forward to um, looking forward to it. It should be fun. Okay. Speaking of that, Friday, this Thursday is going to be our last preview show. There's no more races to preview after Thursday night. So uh, Jay and I will be back at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, to start our final preview show of the year for Phoenix ISM Raceway. And uh, we'll find out who the champion is going to be this weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Sal and I will return for our final Monday night show on Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time to review the weekend of racing. And uh, we'll have our final hot topics on Monday night then, too. So uh, definitely... um, uh, have enjoyed this season. It's been a challenging year, but at the same time, uh, it's been a fun year in a lot of ways. And I, I'm looking forward to the break. 
but I know I'm going to hit that point where I'm really missing it and ready to kind of get back on board and ready to go again for another new season in 2021. So uh, we we really uh, appreciate all the things that you guys have done, and uh, we appreciate all of the listeners uh, for tuning in and listening to what we have to say. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, we've got two more shows on the docket uh, for this year, and uh, we'll take that seasonal break and be back again in February. So with that, guys, uh, I think we're ready to say good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.